Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves beating Spurs at three-point lane. Oh, dearie me, yes. There are very few certainties in life, but death, taxes and Chelsea beating Spurs at three-point lane are preeminent among them. Uh, with the news of the sad passing of Jimmy Greaves in the morning, the match between his two main clubs had an added poignancy. It didn't disappoint, as Nuno Espiritu Santo's game plan in the first half had Chelsea rattled. But the wiser heads among us knew that Spurs would do a passable impression of West Ham and in the second half their hopes well and truly faded and died. Uh, This was in no small measure to the decisiveness and adaptability of Thomas Tuchel who yanked Mates and Mount off and replaced him with N'Golo Kante with Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic forming a midfield three or five counting wingbacks. Two goals in 10 minutes and that was pretty much that. But so dominant were Chelsea that the gap between the teams at the end was astonishing, although not perhaps as big as the gaps left by Spurs fans who headed to the exit after Rudiger's goal. Chelsea, top of the league, having beaten Arsenal and Spurs away and drawn with Liverpool. But yesterday was really all about one man, Jimmy Greaves. And that result was most definitely for him. Tuchel outfoxes the chickens. Chelsea fancast number 838. And I am really looking forward to this show for many reasons, as always. Um, And the first one, of course, is I get to see my great chum, Jonathan Kidd, again. Oh, Chidge, how lovely. Yes, it's it's, uh, it's excellent to be on a show where we've drubbed um, uh, poor old Tottington. Yeah, we plucked the chicken, mate. We have. We've uh, we've not only plucked it, we've... um, We've served it. We've, uh, stuffed, we've stuffed it, mate. Stuffed it in the oven. Stuffed it, having Butter stuffed it. Butter and lemon. Yeah, I. Oh, uh, let's all give our favourite recipes. Um, uh, I like. Um, I like a little bit of um, uh, butter. Funnily enough, you should say that. Absolutely. I did say butter. Yeah, you did. You said that. Yeah, I yeah, remember yeah. when I was at university because we were in Regent's Park, um, and they. And as you know, there are duck in the lake there so we used to try and catch duck so we could have duck a la banana yeah as yeah, opposed that, to a la orange. A orange indeed is that um is that uh eaten anywhere in the world other no. than st- student dwellings it was a university of london uh speciality speciality okay okay yeah, yeah. we could never the catch banana- the fuckers so it never happened yeah, it never happened in the first place but you had the idea and, and it might be a culinary delight for somebody you never know uh, but yes uh, um, um fantastic to be on the show thanks so much and with, uh, of course, the magnificent, the magnificent Mr. Tony Glover, who is... Uh, Thank you very much. It's just the three of us I'm looking mm. for. Looking just for. the three of us. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen either of you in person. I know. Our, our little fan cast soiree in the, um, in the Chelsea pension, which was rather splendid. Um, and a rather splendid day, way to spend a day. Uh, in fact, I was in such a good mood when I got in. Uh, my wife nearly kicked me back out and said, go back there every week. Really? <laughs> yes. Yes. So we have permission then? Well, because I, it certainly lifted me. And, and oh. I think I was really like a few others. I was quite, you know, still not... I didn't go to the, the, the last game because I'm still a bit iffy about the whole... Yeah. <laughs> ..being in the crowd with 40,000 people thing with COVID and that. But... um I'm still worried like about that, that day. Yeah, I was a bit like that that day, but as soon as I got there and took the piss out of Martin Wickham um, as he stood outside the door taking a phone call, I thought, "Here we go!" and and it was just brilliant. It was just great fun, and it was a um, and I think Dan Silver said this as much as well. It was a huge lift just to get out, get to a pub, sit in a pub, and talk bollocks 
Yeah, for four or five hours or longer, wasn't it? Actually, I think yeah. it was long. Well, we we needed it, and I, I I can't I can't believe that was the last time I saw you. But of course, more to the point, I can't believe that was the first time I'd seen you in a bloody year and a half. So yeah, and and that was the point. And it was a, it was a tremendous tremendous day. Um, remind me though, Ty, I can't even remember you. I don't remember what time you left because I was so I, battered by the end of it. Uh, I think I left about half past six. All oh, right, so I was there for another uh, couple of hours then. Yeah, about an hour or hour and a half after Mr. Chelsea Graves turned up, um, mm. and sat there and chatted to him. And I mean, it was just so it was so good to talk to so many people that day. And then I think the last thing I did was buy a round of um, I don't know what cocktails they were. I can't even remember what they were, but they were bloody powerful. I know that. I'm sure they had gin or vodka or something in them. I just sort of looked at the ones for me and just said which one's got the most. Um, alcoholic spirit in it and that was my second or third one I think Dane got the one before that um and 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 went off on my merry way very very merry way it was it was messy by the end of it I can absolutely vouch for that we must do that again it's that there's nothing finer in life than a Chelsea fan cast outing that involves a pub and alcohol so there we go um Right, on the show tonight, uh, we'll be paying our own uh, tribute to the incomparable Jimmy Greaves. And, uh, of course, we're blessed to have our very own Jonathan here, who actually saw him play for Chelsea. And, I, and the, you know what? There's not many people who can still who can say that. So we really are lucky to have a podcast which has somebody like Jonathan on it, uh, apart from many other reasons, of course. Uh, now, continuing in part one, we discuss Tuchel's changes at half-time and ask just how good is he? Uh, Kante in a midfield three. Can we see a three-five-two on a more regular basis uh, coming in? And how good was it to see Chelsea so dominant against our North London rival? Answers on a postcard, please. Uh, in part two, we applaud the silver machine for a monstrous performance. Uh, we have concern for Mountain Habits and wonder if a lack of creativity up front is a weakness in the side. And ask if three managers have come up with three different tactics to thwart Chelsea and failed... What else can they come up with? Uh, and in part three, we've got the results of this week's Fannies for the Spurs match. If you want to vote, uh, you've got about, well, until eight o'clock. So go to Chelsea, at Chelsea Fancast on Twitter and you can still vote for the Fannies. Um, we've also got the, uh, the week five winners and losers in the Premier Predictions League. And uh, we've also got some cracking emails to read out. And in part four, we look ahead to Wednesday night's Chelsea versus Villa Caribou Cup tie. No. I mean, it's crammed. It's a crammed show. It's a show, packed it? show tonight. It is. It yeah. is. We'll, we'll, we'll be lucky to get to bed much before midnight. Oh, <laughs> later than that. Oh. Yes. Well, thankfully, there's only three of us, so it shouldn't be too bad. Now, uh, as ever, don't forget you can listen to the show live on Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in all of the chat and uh, in fact, actually, they just talk amongst themselves, which is absolutely lovely. There's a, there's there's so many good people in there. We do love our little Mixler crowd. If she don't come, is in there. Moniaki's in there. Kepler, <laughs> Chelsea Grave Society, Touring Blue, T- Tony's. You see, this is what I love about it when Tony comes on the show. Tony's not only on the show, but he 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 kind of he's a man of the people. You know, he mixes he mixes with the uh, I don't quite know how to to, to term it politely. The, the, the proles, yeah, I like that in Mixler. <laughs> I love that about you, Tony. Anyway, so Tony's in there. So go and say hello to Tony personally. And then we got another one, actually, another one of our throng. Uh, the lovely Mark Meehan quite often does the same. And guess what? Mark is in there badged as Eddie Mac B-A-W-A. So there you go. Steve Mower, 
Oh, Gesso. There's so many. I mean, I'm here all night reading you all out, but it's lovely to see you all in there. Uh, right, after this very short break, uh, Jonathan will be giving a uh, very warm and tender tribute to Jimmy Greaves. Welcome back. This is uh, Stanford Chidge, of course, with Tony Glover and Jonathan Kidd. And, of course, uh, on Sunday, a few hours before the, the Spurs match, we uh, had the sad news that Jimmy Greave had passed away. And, of course, obviously, he's, he is something of a, of a Spurs legend. He's their, their highest goal scorer of all time, unlike to be caught, I would have thought, particularly if Harry Kane decides to flee. Um, but, of course, we all know that, he, that he's really one of our own because it all started for him in 1955 at Chelsea and as I said earlier on, there are very few people around who can say that they saw him play for Chelsea. I am among that number. I wasn't even born, nor was Tony. Uh, but Jonathan Kidd was, and Jonathan saw the great man play. And I just before you start that, JK, my, my one tweet about the events yesterday was in fact that, that I, I don't have many regrets, but one of them is that I never saw Jimmy Greaves play for Chelsea, and I really wish I had. So there you go. Kid, one of my great regrets is not remembering much about <laughs> it, unfortunately. Um, but uh, um, it's been interesting looking back on on uh, various uh, videos of him on YouTube, where um, it confirms what my father used to say about him. My father's big fear all the the time that he played for Chelsea is that Chelsea was so average that he would be transferred pretty quickly. And I think this was every supporter's fear because he was such a, a, a completely different player from everybody else. Um, an era where we struggled completely to uh, to compete under Ted Drake, unfortunately, who uh, obviously was still um, uh, managing to get some kind of success from having won the league title in 1955. So, um, um, he he was a just such a wonderful bouncy brilliant spree of a, a breath of fresh air around a rather ser- a series of of very basic um average footballers and um but the the wonderful thing that i do remember uh, um when i was sitting with my dad i must have been about 7 it was about 7 when i actually began to twig that he was completely phenomenal but otherwise my father just used to say you know did you notice Greaves because my dad took me when I was initially a baby and then he took me on his lap when I was four to watch I had no clue what was going on but um, uh, you'd notice that somebody was regularly putting the ball in the back of the net and I remember somebody saying I must have been about seven you know he said Greaves he just look look he's done nothing look at him what's he doing he's just he's just standing about he's he's you know Greaves has contributed nothing so far this game and he immediately scored, of course. And then uh, and the bloke, another bloke said, look, you know, he scored one goal, but he's he's not, look at him, he's not doing anything. He's just, he just stands about, doesn't he? And he scored again. And at the, but at the end of the game, he'd scored three. And indeed, he wasn't, I think Alan Mullery said on, on Talk Sport at the weekend, he said he was so lazy. He was a lazy player and he was a lazy trainer and he didn't want to do it because he was 
blessed with such brilliance and such a wonderful turn of speed. And um, and everybody's been saying that he, he, he used to glide a, a, upon the surface of the pitch with these dreadful pitches they were playing on, these waterlogged, these these very heavy, and the balls were heavy. And yet he had this, because they were, they were made out of leather. They didn't have any plastic covering on them. And so this, it got a bit wet. They would just get heavier and heavier. And he somehow had this ability to dribble and turn and twist and then place the ball into the corner of the net from angles and where you thought he can't possibly score from here and uh, i'm sounding as if i i've seen all seen all these goals but this is from my father talking about him and my father absolutely worshipped worshipped him and um, as did i think every supporter at the time you appreciated that you're in the presence of a really really special player uh, that that we we were very, very lucky to have each season. And so actually when he was transferred to Milan, it was really no surprise. And then there was this theory that Chelsea made very little effort to try and get him back but after Milan didn't want him. But the reality was that he was like every other player. He wanted success. And Spurs came in for him. And Spurs were the best team of the moment. They just won the double. They had a, an array of absolutely brilliant players, um, Blanche Flower White, um, um, Henry, uh, Le um, uh, not Leggett was Fulham, of course, um, uh, Les Allen, Bobby Smith, both ex-Chelsea players, of course, and um, uh, uh, Morris Norman, um, Bill Brown. I mean, uh, they were all absolutely... Proper English names, J.K. Proper, hey, <laughs> proper English, but all um, all terrific. Oh, and Dave Mackay, of course, the great Dave Mackay. Which proper was Scottish called, name, J.K. Scottish name, absolutely right. He was known, what I loved about Dave Mackay, he was known as the barrel-chested Dave Mackay, which basically meant... He was a bit tubby, you know, if you look back now on him. He built like a brick shithouse. But he, but he was, nonetheless, he was still, that he didn't need to be as, as speedy as the rest of them because he, he had the same kind of quality, we'll get onto it, that um, Thiago Silva had. Absolutely a, a magnificent ability and Bobby Moore and all those great players who just knew how to, to or orchestrate their own position on the field and all around them. And um, so they were a great side. So it was no surprise that he went to, to Spurs, the dilemma I had was that um, I, I wouldn't say I'm bitter and twisted about these things, but I then, therefore, was absolutely jealous of Spurs and and did not want to watch him, because even though I was seven, I I, I worshipped him. I hear he was my hero because he he did what I wanted to do. He scored goals from everywhere, and I just wanted to be an inside forward who just slotted the ball in and just got another shot. I would shoot from everywhere as a consequence of that because he would shoot from. From as I said, it was it was the, the weirdness of it's like watching Chelsea play, knowing that that there was a player who um, watching Chelsea play at the moment. Then somebody takes a touch and they pass it sideways, or they take a touch and they move it. it he didn't need it. He was just there in the penalty area. Bap! It's in the corner of the net, and he'd hit the angles so so readily. He'd hit corners. He'd hit. He hit. The, it was the. It wasn't just that he'd have a stab at the goal. He would always angle it away from the goalkeeper. I don't know how he managed to do that. He was absolutely, um, I, I don't want to say blessed because it's almost if genetically he's completely different from everybody else, but he, he, he clearly had a great eye and had worked out where he was, where, where the ball would come over. For, he, would, he, he, he knew where the goal was, that old cliche, but he could place the ball into from areas where you thought, how did he score that? I can remember that. I can remember that aspect of it. I, I remember seeing his last game, and I was I was um, um, uh, I was almost eight, and um, no, I wasn't. I was seven. It was almost. It was yeah. It was just a, just my 
forget about my maths but um when he played against nottingham forest and they knew he was going and he scored four and i was there for that game and uh and i remember and he, they chaired him off and i and we stayed for that and i remember being deeply upset because it was like the beginning of when when your your idol just disappears from the club and that, that was obviously to be repeated on many occasions down the years you know when when terry venables went to spurs i was gutted when barry bridges left he went to birmingham i couldn't believe it he was similarly a wonderful player they, and they, they, all these all these and similarly like going in a bit later when i was 16 keith weller being transferred weller was a wonderful player i keep going on about that but similarly i was absolutely gutted by this and I hated the club to an extent and at the time i i was so upset with the club for for uh, for letting him go but then when you realize what was going on and the club wanted the money and the club couldn't i presume that he was out of contract or something i don't know what was going on there or they didn't want to give him more money or he was he was actually pushing for a transfer because i think they'd finished 18th haven't they so uh um the season before so yeah. It made sense that he would go. Looking back on it now, you don't know that as a seven-year-old that you know he wants to go to a team that's going to win trophies, which makes great sense, or go to a team that's going to enhance his career and give him a, a decent uh, you know a wage. But just to say, he was the he was the most phenomenal striker watching, and as a consequence, every Chelsea Chelsea fan loved him and was absolutely gutted when he got transferred. Yeah. I think it's it's been fascinating and I'm sure I mean you know like like me Tony not quite old enough to have seen him play for Chelsea but obviously you know we're old enough to have grown up knowing yeah. you know it's a bit like um you know we're old enough to to remember how good Pele was exactly and, that yeah and and yeah. you know there are kids now who can't understand that but yeah. I, one of the lovely things that's come over come out over the last day really Tony in my book is is actually how many people have come out and said, well, actually, when you think about it, he was probably the greatest goal scorer there's ever been. And it's not just about the number, although that's good enough. I mean, no, the number of goals he scored, right, yeah. in, in, in top the top five European leagues, which actually were only the first division and Syria at in his case, has only been bettered by Ronaldo and Messi. Mm. And I actually think that you need to talk about Jimmy Greaves in the same reverential tones that people talk about Ronaldo and Messi, because I think mm. actually... If you just think about all the people who are saying it, they're all saying that, and I think that's yeah. that's the proof. Absolutely, I mean, he had no, um, and like a, like a lot of those what you would call old school players, there was no none of the kind of Messi and Ronaldo diva uh, uh, persona about him either. And um, there's a, there was a couple of fantastic. I mean, I grew up in that time, just slightly older than you, but yeah, uh, but younger than J.K. I remember. Iconic players before I became a Chelsea supporter in 1970, before I picked them as my team, I knew George Best, Bobby Moore, Bobby Charlton, Jimmy Greaves, and Pele. Mm. That's probably about it. Yeah. Okay. Not a bad five aside team, though. Okay, exactly. You know, you know, even though I knew the England players from the 66 World Cup and all that, I still knew and had the, the, the kind of uh, revered Jimmy Greaves more than. You know, Sir Jeff Hurst and 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 the man who scored the hat trick, who was you know was his understudy or whatever. Um, but I think there were two wonderful things that came out of well, three. Number one, you know, put all our 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 bitterness and our uh, our our dislike of each other aside to see Chelsea and Spurs together when there are things that unite them. And we saw it with the death of Peter Osgood. We saw it with the death of Mick Martin Peters. 
Um, you, you know, that there's and it has been Denver, weird. Denver Matthew Harding as well. Actually. Yeah, it's been weirdly coincident that there's been these kind of uh, you know uh, 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 sad passings on the day that, or, or a couple of days before we play them. So I think there's one thing that needs you know due respect, doff caps all round there. Um, secondly, a fantastic uh, photo yesterday of Jimmy Greaves in the dressing room at halftime having a fag before he went out to play for the second half. The third one, Harry Redknapp, got a fantastic little interview with Harry Redknapp yesterday where he said he'd sit in the dressing room, he said, uh, and and he'd get to, you know, two minutes before we'd go out on the pitch, he said he'd put his shorts on, tie his boots up, and he'd stretch his leg muscles a few times while he was sitting down. He said, and that was his warm-up, right? I think my favourite, and obviously he had, you know, not only a great career, but he just... You know, I, I can I can tell you now. I saw him once at a, a do, uh, 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 where he was an after dinner speaker. He told the story of how he made the terrible mistake of tackling Ron Harris, right? And and then spent he said after six minutes, and then spent eighty four minutes running away from Ron Harris, <laughs> convinced he was going to try and kill him. The second one was this one, um, which was this fantastic quote. I mean, he had a fantastic. TV career. Let's not forget, a lot of the younger people grew up with him. Saint and Greavesy broke fabulous new ground in football, where it had all been a bit po-faced and all a bit up its own arse, which is probably where it's going now. I think you know, with the way with the way that it's covered. But this was a great quote from him, which was, um, "Yeah, I had a goal drought once." was the worst 15 minutes of my life <laughs> and i just think that is just such a fantastic <laughs> quote um and it sort of summed up the guy that you know with all his personal problems you know and, and the, the world documented sort of descent into alcoholism and and bankruptcy etc uh, the, the man had a, a personality and a warmth you know that that came through the screen if you were watching him as an after dinner speaker uh humility I think you know he was humble and he was very very aware of how lucky he was you know despite not playing in the world cup final um but uh you know blessed with with what was a very good very long and you know very fruitful life yeah. and i think it's it, it was a a sad day but not unexpected as, as people have said but um you know if 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 i pop my clogs at 81 having lived uh, a life with you know such a lovely family that he's got um you know, I, I, I wouldn't be unhappy with that. That's a very good point, Tony, and very well said. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I said a little bit, but if you, you want, I mean, I, I've written a tribute as opposed to waffling on here. And if you would like to read it, it's, uh, it's on Football London on the Chelsea bit. Um, but I, I tweeted it out as did they earlier today. So just look at my, uh, you know, tweet Twitter timeline or our or our, or our Chelsea Fancos Fancos Facebook site and uh, do have a read. Not not because it's just about me saying what I think, but I mean Jonathan contributed as did uh, Bobby Tambling from an interview I did with him a couple of years ago and I got I got a uh, a few words from the great Kerry Dixon as well so it's uh, it's worth a read if you want to have a look at that. So there we go. But uh, ultimately as I said it's about Jimmy Greaves and um, I think we should. I mean, you know, I, can't, I didn't see him play, but I, I, we we should be grateful that we we had such a great player that played for us and is a a very important part of our history. And uh, obviously, thoughts go out to his family who have not lost a, a great footballer; they've lost a, a father or a grandfather or a husband, and that's very important always to say. Right, uh, we are going to talk about something that absolutely 
knocked me sideways yesterday, JK, I have to say. Um, I mean, I had so many mates who were up there, including you, uh, at White Hart Lane yesterday. But it was so... I don't know. It was just. I was just. I just really enjoyed the game. It was just nuts. It was tense. I was very tense. I'm not, not often. I'm not often that connected to a match when I watch it at home. But for this one, I was. I was like leaping up and down and. Well, you shouting. were disappointed at the first half half performance, though, weren't you, Chidge? Well, I, I. You know, it was. It was because they. Because no, I wasn't as disappointed as some people I could mention mentioning no names, Tony Glover, but um, because I because yeah. I I could see I could see that. You know, Nuno had a very good game plan, a bit like Villa did. We spoke about this on Friday, didn't we? Yes. And and they, you know, we'll talk about it in part two more about the fact that actually the trick, of course, is is to stay in the game, which is what Chelsea did. But I, I was I was a thinking bloody hell, yeah, Nuno's got got a game plan here. We can't get to half time quick enough, so Tuchel can turn this round. But I was very confident that he would do that. And I was also very confident that Spurs wouldn't wouldn't be able to keep up that high aggressive press for very long because they're, they're just in not fact, fit it enough. It was the first half hour that um, we suddenly started moving the ball around rather competently, um, and that was when Christensen had his shot, which I think was the first shot we probably yeah. shot we had. Um, but that I and and I've said to the chap next to me, um, uh, I made a friend. Um, uh, I was that makes a change for you in a way, match actually. Always, always, because <laughs> I normally keep my head down just in case uh, you know I open my gob and somebody says, oh, "You posh bastard, what are you doing watching football? You know nothing about it." But um, in this instance, uh, I had a um, I had an American guy next to me um, who said, "I don't know anything about football. No, Can you enough, help me out here?" No, no, funny enough, that would have been great if he had, and yeah. I, that was my assumption. I have to say, yeah, that you would have said, "I've got no idea, mate." Uh, yeah, I said terribly. So it's my first game. Um, I, I, I my um, my error was to say because he he sat down and said that's where the players come out, and to his to the person next to him. And I said, oh, uh, um, be prepared to stand up for the rest of the game. And he said, I've been coming to football for twenty two years, buddy. You don't need to tell me that. And I, <laughs> I, I went, and I said, oh my god, I'm so dreadfully sorry. I do apologize. Sorry, I thought you were saying, you know, I said I've never been, the, I've never been here before. I was just telling telling my wife that's where they come out, and she said, "Yeah, we've got tickets in the West Stand, season tickets." I said, "Oh, I, thank you, so, <laughs> good, good, thank you very much for that." And um, but we became great pals when um, when he said uh, later on in the game, "Oh my God, I think Werner's coming on." And I said, ah, <laughs> somebody who... You must listen to the Chelsea fan cast. You must listen to the fan cast then. But next to me, next to me, I had um, uh, um, a chap called Abdul Aziz, who was a, 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 a supporter, and he's, he sits at the executive club. I was surrounded by, by the way, who, because I was going on so much about Thiago Silva being brilliant, which I have to say, we'll get on to this. Thiago Silva was absolutely fantastic. Fantastic! Hold uh, your fire on to you. Oh, I know I am. I'm just giving you a hint here. Anyway, I said Jeez. that. I said that. And when he scored the goal, he said to me, he said to me, you have been saying, you have been saying how good Thiago Silva is and he has scored. He said, you are the man. You are the man. You are the man. Anyway, and I, he said, he said, what, what do you think the score will be now? I said, it'll be three nil now. After three, he said, you're a genius. I am next to a genius. It wasn't Abdul. It was actually Omid Jalali, wasn't it? You were next to him. <laughs> Behind me, there was a bloke, I, I and who did not stop commenting on the game for ninety no, minutes. Oh God, I'm surprised he didn't get a slap. Minutes, quite. Fr- but but 
but the energy of the guy i actually said to him afterwards i said the you were ab absolutely what i wanted to say was for fuck's sake how the fuck is that going yeah he said <laughs> but let me give you a quick hint of what he did he would go he would go oh no yeah switch it switch it no yeah carefree wherever we may be we are the famous oh no no stop 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 now now come on push it push it yeah 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 come on Chaka. come on Chaka. yeah 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 give me a welcome along to crunch down the wing for me oh yeah oh, no. 90 minutes 90 minutes for god's sake but i said to him the energy that you have i got i wish you know we i wish we could use it now for stick it in in people's plugs and we wouldn't be having all these problems with the electricity my god brilliant brilliant but it was it was joyous it's what i love about watching chelsea away is the particularly because the first half had been so tense was the the everybody coming together knowing that the team w was gonna was gonna take them to the cleaners and the last 20 minutes was just uh, you know just a tiny uh, game, wasn't it? oh Oh, but also from a crowd point of view, just absolutely joyous from everybody because they're all aware they're watching, you know, a wonderful manager, a wonderful team at that, the height of their powers. It was just fabulous, but fabulous. It's a really good point, and I mean that 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 is the point really is that I I thought that that Tuchel would sort it out at half time. Yeah, and yeah. and and bless his heart, he 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 made the difference again, Tony. And I thought it was really interesting what he said afterwards that it wasn't ta just tactics and substitutions, it was their attitude that I got into them about. And he was right about that. But I actually think, in a way, Tony, kind of typical of the man, really, he, he underplays how you know, good he is and how important he is, unlike a, a certain other manager we could name. Um, but I, I'm really beginning to think... Um, I'm beginning to th think three things, Tony. One he could well be the best manager in the world at this moment two he could be the best Chelsea manager we've ever had and I think as a collective talking about in-game changes I think he's without doubt as good as Mourinho was in his first incarnation because Mourinho was tactically so astute first time round I think he's got it all mate do you? I'm going to be a harbinger of doom. Oh, no! I'm afraid so. <laughs> I th that, and only in the sense that I think uh, we're all getting a bit ahead of ourselves here. Mm. Um, I think... But isn't that isn't that the beauty of it, mate? Isn't that the fun uh, of it? Well, yes, and I get that. But uh, having been once bitten twice shy, um, I think we are very good. We have come on in league. How can we get ahead of ourselves? We, we, we're Champions League winners. Well, we are, but none of us actually expected that, really. Did no, we? it's true, it's true. But we know, think I mean, we're think... expecting it now, so therefore it's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think this is this is a bit of an issue for me. And I come from this from, you know, 50-odd uh, years of, of, of basic pessimism because of the 27-year you know, drought and, you know, from 1970 onwards, etc. Um, I think he's. I think he is good. I'm still in the frame of mind that I'm never going to get, you know, emotionally attached to a, another manager again because I just think it's a waste of time. We all know where That's it what ends Chidge up. said after Frank, though, and she just had to change. Yeah, I've had a Damasian conversion. Moment. Yeah, and I, 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 I haven't. And the simple reason is, is that you know, um, under Roman Abramovich, no one's lasted more than three years, so I don't see why he would be any well, different. All I've got to say to that, Tony. It's falling in love again. <laughs> what yeah. am I to do? Yeah. Can I call you Marlena. Marlena Chitty. Yeah. And I and I, I do have I do have sort of concerns. I mean, there's there's no you know, would we have played like 
similar to that if Mount had stayed on. We'll never know. Kante is very good, but um, he was poor though. He was poor. I didn't think he was poor. poor. I thought he was he was he was okay. And I I I just think that you know I, I I. in, in terms of the overall team, he was no worse than anybody else. I don't think Still, they were bad. The only... I, mean, I don't think and they weren't necessarily. I mean, I know that there was some sloppy passing and yes, two exactly people dug that. them out for that. Yeah. And I don't think they. I don't think they. I don't think they had their their attitude yeah. right. I think he was right about that. Yeah, but, I agree I, with that. But, I, I get so, a bit sorry, Tony. I get a bit annoyed at Chelsea fans all all the time. Only ever see one team, and it's like. Oh, well, if we're if we're you know not doing it, it must be us. It must be we're bad. They never actually appreciate that no, sometimes and, and, a manager can yeah. set the opposition up really well and they play well. Yeah. And they they you know whatever their issues at, at Spurs, I don't think they're any mugs. They've got some good players in there, and Harry Kane is a phenomenal goal scorer who I'm quite happy to have seen him pull on a blue shirt this this this, uh, this season as well. But you know if if Lukaku isn't playing, where do our goals come from? At the moment, you can't say habits. You can't say anybody else. That's true. I don't want to be, I don't want to be relying on defenders. Otherwise, we're in Jorginho top. Well, that was very relevant. Actually, you were right. Yeah. Yeah, but well, once okay. again, we have... so I think we're a bit short there. So he he is very good. I'm trying to put a break on some of the excesses of 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 the best ever. This that never. But simply by saying, actually, yes, he did turn us around last season. I want the Premiership more than anybody else. However. Manchester City, I think he's put us in a position to compete for the first time since Conte's last season. Um, we are in a position to compete for it. But Liverpool are looking very good. Manchester City are looking very good. Manchester United are not looking like mugs. Um, all you can ever ask for is that you're in that mix. And I hope we don't get found out. I hope we can still turn you know, uh, uh, and produce surprises and, and, and tactically change and etc. So he is very good, but I'm just trying to put a little bit of a a, a break on it. So less the harbinger of doom, more the voice of reason and well, saying, actually, we've done very well so far, but let's see how we deal with uh, some, you know, because there will be slip-ups. I don't think we're not going to go through the season like Arsenal Invincibles or whatever they were, whenever it was. Um, and let's see how we react to that. Yeah. And, and I, I am desperately worried about the fact that if Lukaku gets injured, yeah, yeah, all right. Where's well, our back? Well, I want, I want to get into the that issue particularly later. But I, I have to say, Tony, fair play to you. And you're not the harbinger of doom. I think you're being very honest and very realistic, J.K. And actually, it's interesting because Tuchel said exactly the same. He said that you know we're competitive at the moment. He didn't. He's not going overboard. And I like that. I, I'm not on any any position to talk in any other way about it being uh, completely wonderful. Because if you remember, I prophesied we'd win everything. Well, you, yes, but you do do that, you know, as a rule. Fairly regularly. That's true. <laughs> That's true. But but I, I um I I can't I can't see us. I mean, it's a very good point about Lukaku being injured. But I actually think that he will just deal with it. It's it's a question of other people scoring, isn't it? That's the major problem. Um, because uh, um, uh, Kovacic was put through and couldn't uh, with a point-blank goal and should just have crossed it across to Lukaku to score and he had to go on his own. It's, once again, it's the decision-making in the penalty area, which we had a great dif- had great difficulty with last year, which is um, which is 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 re-raising its its ugly head. And um, if Mount isn't playing as well as uh, 
as he used to be. Well, there is, is there's hard, he's used to, there's hardly any shooting going on anyway from anywhere else. And yet, um, uh, let's give in to the fact that Marcus Alonso is um, uh, a winger in those instances who comes in and has two unbelievably brilliant volleys um, that, that it was down to Larice saving. And I, I don't, I'm, I'm not worried if they score where, where they score from, as long as they score a lot. And I think Lukaku was actually unbelievably unselfish on he occasion was, he was. when he could, he um, could actually just have blasted home. You know, I, I really do want to talk about that issue in part two because I think, it's, I think I'm it's sorry. no, no, no need to apologise, but I do think it's really, really important, and and I, it's so important that you and I talked about it on Friday. And I wrote about it, so I definitely really, and I think you're right. I think it's moved on a notch since we did discuss it then. But of course, we all sit here saying it was all wonderful because Tuchel made the changes. But of course, I thought the change in itself was very interesting because he took Mount off. I thought he could have taken Havertz off. Mm. I thought, I, I mean, actually, what I was saying to myself because I wrote the notes, I got excited enough to write notes, and I was thinking to myself, what needs to happen is we need to have three in the midfield because. Spurs, like Villa were, are dominating it. And that, of course, when they press aggressively and they, they really hit you hard, that's when Jorginho can be exposed. And, and he I, was a little. And he was a little, he was. Thing, yeah. But I, you see, what I would have done, um, I would have probably put Mount back into the midfield, but that we'll park that for a, a discussion yeah. another day. Yeah. I, you know, I, so I would have taken Havertz off and, uh, and, and you yeah. know, put, put Mount back and maybe brought Werner on. That's what I would have done. Yeah, that was but, that was one of the buzzes yeah. we were talking about. Or even take Jorginho off and put for Conte. Well, I, 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 I'm becoming a lot more understanding yeah. of the role. No, no, I understand, but I felt that he was so out of it. He wasn't out yeah, of it. Yeah, but you could he still was, keep he was it. Being overcome. Yeah, yeah but I no, think you just indeed. give him more protection. But, no, but, but, but when he then got the protection well, in the he, second half. But not only that, this is the thing. You know, we said on Friday, I wanted to see Conte start because yes, he's a world class player. So you weren't just bringing on a third body in midfield. You were bringing on Kante. But I think what that enabled us to do, it enabled to it, it enabled Jorginho to drop deeper. So actually it bolstered the defence and, and exposed him less. And you had both Kovacic and Kante basically operating more as attacking midfielders. They were more like box-to-box midfielders. So they were bombing forward a lot. Suddenly we had numbers up front. We were winning the ball more. And it just looked better. And and I you know I'm not I'm going to do exactly what you two have done and, I'm, and that I moaned to you about and I'm going to say well this is the problem that we've got in terms of who do we play with Lukaku again but I'm going to return to that in part two I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you lot off and then do it myself but I just thought Kante coming on the midfield is really and you know we we basically go three five two but yes. actually it's 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 three three four in attack and possibly yes. more. I was talking to Kerry about this last night and yeah. we were talking about it and he said, yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? Because guess what? In the 80s, they had Pat Nevin, yeah. David Speedy, Kerry Dixon, Paul Cannaval as a four quite often, right? But they weren't called wingbacks in those days. Well, effectively, if you've got two really attacking wingbacks, Alonso certainly is one, James could be another, you've got four. I mean, and I think maybe that's where we should be going. It was Aspi in the, in this instance. And he I did all right. Aspie, and Aspi did really yeah, well. Did. And um, but it, it liberates. What happens is it liberates Alonso to be this absolutely brilliant driving attacking. Yeah. He was brilliant second half. I mean, non-stop excellent crosses and mm. corners. 
absolutely for the particularly for Thiago Silva's goal and the, as I say the two volleys and that wonderful ping pong moment when Larice was brilliant saving the second volley from him and nobody could believe the ball hadn't gone in uh, um, and weirdly enough in the Guardian this morning um, he was described by Barney Roney as he didn't quite understand how this ambling player who could have just wandered about just managed to be so so essential for Chelsea and yet obviously he doesn't amble but his accuracy and ball control and uh, just shooting skill is absolutely brilliant and I think it, the only it, ambler it, on the pitch yesterday was Kai Havertz yeah he ambled I agree he did amble he he's did, got yeah. very much a touch of the Berbatovs about him in his whole demeanour and that it's a very, good, he, very he had, good comparison actually yeah, yeah if he had the finishing ratio I'd be a lot happier I think at the moment with him yeah, but, so. yeah. Well, I, again, I think that's going to be something that comes into for discussion later. Yeah. I just want to wrap this part up, Tony, by one of the things that I that I observed towards the end of the match was, and okay, I'll be honest here, it possibly had a little bit to do with Spurs just absolutely, A, tiring because of their efforts in the first half, but also, you know, when that second goal went in, the entire air went out of their tyres and you could see it because they just knew they weren't going to win and that was, yeah. that was very depressing for them. But yeah. having, having said that, I just... I, I just stagger at, at how how dominant, how much better Chelsea looked than them towards yes. the end of that match. Yeah, and I think there was we, we were sitting. I was watching it with my son-in-law, and I said, that, you know, I, I tell you what, knack is you out playing football when you're chasing shadows and you can't get the ball right. And I, I know I only speak from the position of playing walking football, but if the, when we play that, if the other team that we're playing are better at holding the ball, passing and whatever, and we just end up trying to block and all this sort of stuff, you're pretty much rinsed very, very quickly <laughs> while they're still tapping away at it. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's, that's the whole point with the, that was old Barcelona possession football, was that you eventually would run yourself into the ground just trying to get the bloody ball back off of them. Um, and by that time, you, you didn't know what to do. But I think they were so dispirited. You know, if you look at uh, um, their, their talisman is Harry Kane. I mean, there was a player, look, you know, whether he wants to be there or not, yesterday he definitely did not want to be there for pretty much that whole game, you know. But second half, talk about, you know, being absent in, you know, whilst being on the pitch. Um, it, it was it was a joy to watch. It was, <laughs> it was, it was lovely to see. The but only you... player that I... I, I you know, and I don't dislike Harry Kane. I think he's he is a phenomenal striker, but that's all he's got, right? He he doesn't do what Lukaku does, which is come back and defend in that kind of Drogba-esque way, and and and, and he's not a bully like uh, Lukaku is in a Drogba-esque way. But um, even the player that I like probably most because he's a proper shit house old school player, Wiberg, even he looked way off it yesterday. He looked way off it yesterday. And he's a player that I often think, blimey, can you imagine him in the middle of our park going nose-to-nose with referees over decisions and stuff stuff like that, you know? So, yes, he's very um, But it was good to see. It was good to see. And I think if you win like that, you know, there was... You, you, you must be like me. You're sort of sick of it when, when, when Chelsea win and there's this sort of like, you know, Chelsea win, but, you know, poor decisions by referees or but this or but that. And there was no buts about it. No. Well, it could have been seven, have seven or eight goals. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. JK, you wanted to come in? No, it was it was just, a, I, I felt sorry uh, if it's possible for... No. For the, I know. It's not even course. allowed. No, I didn't mean that. Well, I mean, well, well, no, I was just looking at the fact that, no, I, I'll express this better. Um, 
you as a Spurs supporter, I think you should be really worried yeah. about them as a team. Well, yes. well, uh, Ricky, Ricky was the most yeah. sanguine he, I've ever heard him. He was yeah. so not cocky yeah. on Friday. And he was absolutely he? right. Yeah, yeah. And because they looked absolutely bewildered by um, with the last twenty minutes to go, and in the last ten minutes, you knew that there would there would be more goals. It's just the fact I thought there'd be more than the Rudiger goal, but they they. There's the fact that the, the, all their spirit and enthusiasm had gone, and it didn't take much uh, for well, it just took Chelsea being completely brilliant for that to happen. And we were brilliant in the second half. I mean, in a sense, in the first half, it was a a copybook defensive masterpiece because um, uh, it had to be because they were very very on the ball Spurs in the first half. Mm-hmm. They were first to the tackle for which and Tuchel gave them an immense bollocking for it yeah, he just said, he, You're did. Not, he did he said he did and also by the way Tony he actually said in the presser he thought that um, Kane was one of the best strikers in the world yeah. Yeah, so he well, must be he, he must he, be bemused at the way, way he's playing at the moment which is you know practically on the halfway line what's that yeah. all about yeah, what is that well, from, uh, that's thankfully Spurs' problem isn't it I mean what what I will say is that uh Thomas Tuchel is turning this Chelsea side, and that's what they look like for for the majority of that second half, into a real machine of a team. Uh, And uh, we're going to have a break now, but in part two, we're going to be talking about another machine, Jonathan, the silver machine. I've got a silver machine. I've got a silver machine. Eine Frage. Wie schnell war der Aufschlag? 150 kmh. Wie lang war der Drive? 229 Meter. Wie lange hast du geschlafen? Oh, 7 Stunden 54 Minuten. Letzte Frage. Trainierst du deinen Körper und deinen Geist mit der Achtsamkeit? Ja, genau das mache ich. Wir alle haben Fragen und die neue Apple Watch Series 7 hat die Antworten. Auf dem bisher größten und fortschrittlichsten Display. Die Zukunft der Gesundheit am Handgelenk. Lieferengpässe möglich. Erfordert ein iPhone 6S oder neuer App aus dem App Store. Abo erforderlich. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chels. Uh, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I am, of course, Stamford Chidge, and I have with me the his eminence, the, the eminence grease, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> Could I not be the eminence bleu? Yes, you can. Just for tonight, you can. Uh, lovely to see JK, who's, who's really pumped up, clearly really enjoyed being at the uh, the game at uh, Spurs I loved yesterday. It, Chidge. Yeah. I loved it. You look a little kid-like with, with his... He's had 10 Christmases all at once. Um, <laughs> and there we go. And uh, a man that we've we've missed for... He's been he's been uh, sojourning in the sa- Parle South of France. Absolutely, yes. yeah. Um, Ed, Ed Vuh and Rockstar. Yeah, un grand plaisir de vous voir. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to see Tony back. We've missed him. It's really lovely to see him. Yeah, great stuff. Right, uh, loads, loads more on the show. I mean, this is only part two, and we've we've got loads more to go. So don't run away anywhere. Now, um, before we carry on, actually, I should give a, a, a quick shout out to the wonderful football prizes people because we have another another competition, a prize draw this week, and this week you can win a signed and framed 
I almost have assigned him frame Callum Hudson Adoy. I mean, he could probably fit into one of those frames, couldn't he? But um, <laughs> it's actually a Callum Hudson Adoy shirt. It is, in fact, the uh, the Palace away kit from last season. But don't let that put you off. Um, uh, the tickets are four pounds ninety five each, and the draw ends uh, this Wednesday, which is the twenty second of September. And to enter, you go to footballprizes.co.uk forward slash product forward slash Hudson hyphen Adoy. Uh, now, there are only 99 tickets available at the beginning of the competition, so uh, hurry up. Don't miss out uh, if you want to have or, or have a chance to win a signed and framed Callum Hudson at Doy shirt. And uh, my ritual plug for CFC UK. Um, at a home match, obviously, you can get a proper copy of uh, the world's greatest fanzine, um, which is opposite. It's on the stall opposite the Fulham Broadway or, or the Salas Salem in Fulham Road. Um, but you could, you, if you're not here, if you're not around, don't worry. You can still get one. Uh, if you're in the UK, you can subscribe to CFC UK for this season, which will be a minimum of ten issues, and the cost is sixteen quid. Uh, individual copies are sold at two pounds each, uh, and that will be sent by post. All right, and you can pay by PayPal, and uh, you can send your money to fanzine at cfcuk.net. Now, if you're in Europe. It'll cost you 35 quid. If you're in the rest of the world, it'll be 45 quid. So you might want to take up the offer of getting it on uh, a PDF, which is emailed to you. Uh, If you do that as a digital subscription, it'll cost you six quid and an individual issue will still be a quid. So there you go. Um, You'll need to send your full address details for the hard copy version or the preferred email address for the PDF one to fanzine at cfcuk.net. Do it, people. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, I know I write for it, so I am a bit biased, but thankfully there are lots of much better writers like Tim Rolls, Clayton Dean, uh, um, Kelvin Barker, Mark Worrell, Walter Otten, to name just a few, but there are many more that we know and love. Daniel Childs, he writes there as well. Loads of people. Chris uh, Wright, I think. There's loads of people. It's brilliant. Anyway, get on it. Um, Right, now back to uh, Chelsea beating Spurs, which is what we all love to talk about most in the world. Uh, and Jonathan, I, 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 he's been itching to talk about this for the entire show, hasn't he, Tony? But I have to say, I whole, wholeheartedly agree with you. How can one be more in love with Thiago Silva than one already is? He just defies yeah. age, belief, gravity, oh. you name it, mate. Is he 37? Is he 37 tomorrow, Chuch? Yeah, I think so. This week, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, it, I'm immaculate performer. I mean, that's not a word to describe it. It was better than that. It was... It, he didn't put a foot wrong and snuffed everything out just non-stop i was i was in awe absolutely in awe of the performance and we were heavily under the cosh at the time and um he got to everything and he makes all the right decisions and he's and it looks as if like all the best players like bobby moore in particular he looks as if he's got so much time to do these things that um even though somebody's you know snapping at his heels because they were very, very um, pumped up for the whole process of, of, of closing down from the very, very beginning. So um, I thought that, in fact, Kepper was very lucky on one occasion. By, by the way, um, kudos to Kepper. Thought he had a very fine match yeah. indeed. Yeah, he did. Very fine match. Yeah. Huge, huge pressurised game. He only dropped the ball once. Only once, Chidge. But then he grabbed it immediately. Could have been Actually, a goal. I think Rudiger was standing over him at the time, preventing anybody else. I think, from I think he'd have kicked him if he'd have let it go to a Spurs player. I think he would have done. I think yeah, he would have done. No, he did but, all right. Um, Seriously, he, he did, did all right. No, do, you know, do you know what impressed me most? When he came out for that uh, uh, cross or corner, 
that was yeah, or yeah. free kick to the walls, you know, de- uh, almost outside the penalty area, and he came all the way for it, caught it, and got it. You wouldn't have seen him do that a couple of seasons Before, ago. No, I agree. I, th- I think they've been they've been dealing with him very well. So it it, it was some um, it was very very impressive. Um, uh, in fact, I think they did somebody say that that he'd done that. Um, Mandy had done his hamstring in, and of course he hadn't. He'd been kicked in the stomach by the, um, be kicked in the ribs by the the enormous um, Yeti-like character from Zenit, who um, missed when he should have scored, missed it, and then just followed through and and kicked him. But um, uh, yeah, it was. Um, I have to. I must also say that that Christensen was terrific as well, absolutely terrific. They're such a partnership now. He's a and, he's, and he's, Rudiger. And 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 one yeah once again yeah I'm being I'm, I'm I should be. But they're talking all brilliant, mate. I am for it. Oh, absolutely brilliant. And but Spurs were very 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 good and very very um uh, um as one they were very organised to doing it. And as you said earlier, uh, Nuno had them all prepared for this. So there was but it's the same thing all the way through. Once again, I said to Abdul next to me, uh, they'll not manage to keep it up in the second half. You know, I was I'm the man. So um I'm. Uh, uh, it was it was no surprise to me, but as well obviously as well, Tuchel putting Kante on, who is a remarkable, a remarkable player. But at the same time, the effort made was just we just went up a complete gear. And the when you see the passing ability we have, just to get out of situations and to to just to push the ball around, you think well, there's only one result here. But but Thiago Silva was. Um, played absolutely out of his skin with without an enormous amount of fuss i didn't feel i wasn't thinking wow look at that brilliant piece of piece of athleticism he has a fantastic ability just to be in the right place at the right time and um there was one occasion where the ball was bouncing and i thought what's he going to do here and he got to it first and headed it out for a throw and you think yeah absolutely perfect not putting not trying to play it to anybody it's just that was the easiest thing to do and and it got every, got Chelsea out of a out of a problem out of a a, a problematic situation. And yet on other occasions, um, it, it's a one on one with somebody putting great pressure on him, and he'll do a cushioned header down to a Chelsea player where you think actually uh, your average centre half is just going to have to clear this, and he's not doing that. He's actually got the vision and the ability and the skill just to do something and take the energy out of the situation, even though it was a, a difficult challenge. He, he is. He is an absolute star, complete brilliance. Do you, do you know what I, I also like? I mean, I, I, Jonathan, I, I agree with every syllable and note of that and timbre of that uh, eulogy to the wonderful Thiago Silva. But I'll tell you what I would add, what I really, really like about him. He's a proper old school footballer. You know, it doesn't matter what club he plays for. He's like Joey Jones. Do you know, he reminds me of Joey Jones. Joey Jones was an absolute legend at Liverpool, Right. We didn't like him when he came to Chelsea because he was an absolute legend at Liverpool. And yet he was a, prop, a proper footballer. He knew he would give 150% for that team. He would get into the crowd. He would get them, you know, get yeah, them on yeah, side yeah, yeah. because he knew how to do it because he's a proper old school footballer. I think Thiago Silva's made of the same, you know, cloth as, as the, characters like Joey Jones, you know. The joy that he had when he scored the goal. Yeah. And, he's, and he's coming toward, kissing the badge towards us and kneeling in front of us. And the joy of having everybody shout his name out, you you cannot help but love him and yeah. his and, his and conviction not, and allegiance. Absolutely brilliant. And not forgetting the um, the rather lively nature of the uh, TikToks from his wife. Oh yeah, yeah. Bella. Bella's lovely. Bella's <laughs> who's, lovely. Um, who, who's who's quite a character as well. I, I've you know I've been pleasantly surprised, but I've oft 
I, I think I may have even debated this uh, 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 at this particular um, in this particular house um, about the the folly of uh, sometimes our our own internal policy towards players over thirty. When you know, it, if you take the old adage that age is just a number, and you look at um, Ronnie Ronaldo and you know, just how bloody good he still is, and it galls me to say it because I think he's an arrogant prick. But as a footballer, he's just, you know, and, and you see Silva and then you see how long, you know, Drogba into his 30s, Frank Lampard into his 30s, how good they were. John Terry, you know, who was never blessed with pace, didn't need to be blessed with pace because he knew how to read the game. Exactly he knew that. where to be. And this is this whole thing when when you start a race to the bottom by saying we want young players, we want youth in there, we want pace, we want pace, pace, pace. You're taking something away from the likes of, of players like Jimmy Greaves and that sort of stuff, who relied on not on what I call football intelligence. Yeah, the ability to read the game, to know where they where they needed to be. Alan Shearer probably extended his career by a good five years by stopping playing for England and concentrating on being a striker for Newcastle because he knew where to be in the box to score the goals to be the poacher, much like Gerd Muller and players like that. And I, I look at these, and I, I, I kind of love, I'm kind of uplifted by it. Mm. Uplifted by seeing players in their mid thirties still doing it, still showing the youth. Uh, well, you know, Tony, well, maybe it's because, as you say, J.K., are we going to see Benucci and Chiellini, aren't we, in a, in a couple of weeks? But yeah. maybe it's because yeah. when they get to that age, they know that they haven't got much longer left, so they're going to extract every ounce of enjoyment and satisfaction yes. out of it as they can. And I think that's a massive part of it, is yeah. the fact that not only are they... Uh, you know, really, really showing their worth. They, they seem to be enjoying it. Yeah. You see, they are taking great pleasure in the game. From a, you know, maybe the pressure's off them, and, and because of that, they're a bit more relaxed and and they read the game so much better. And I, I think it's absolutely fantastic to see it. And and I just think it does make a bit of a folly of of how we sometimes, you know, we 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 tend to just write players off. Uh, you know, uh, simply because they're over thirty, you're only giving me a year's contract. When perhaps you should be looking at the attributes that player's got rather than their their age. Yeah, definitely. I'm muting now because wife's just come home. Some dogs are going. Yeah, I can see they were getting excited at her return, and and I thought actually it was you wagging your tail excited at her return, really, Tony. But there you go. Um, <laughs> it's a very good point, J.K. Do you think they'll give him another year, especially considering the Rudiger issue? It's a tricky one, isn't it? I think it depends whether he gets injured or not. Mm. I think if he if he if and he went down in the, in the second half and um, uh, I was worried that he'd overstretched himself in some way because I think that's you know it appears to be groin problems and calf stretch calf tears and stretches appears to be the difficulties of when you reach that age with the amount of um, no, we know all about that oh do we know about that <laughs> oh dear no, I played cricket during the week and. Um, Almost popped my thigh. Oh, popped bloody me, hell, mate. In front of my thigh, yeah. I went to the physio and he said, oh, you almost popped it. He said, Christ on a bike. He said, you're all right. He said, because you didn't. He said, so you just Good. need to take it very careful. Um, but, to, you know, I I, I'm, I would, I don't know. I, I, it would be awful, wouldn't it, if he has a wonderful season and they said, no, I'm sorry, we're, we're not well, interested. It, it will be more I, more awful if they do that and Rudiger goes and as Rudiger well. And Rudiger goes yeah. as well. And yet, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a 
I've great great confidence in the way the club is going at the moment. I don't. I, I'm. Oh, they'll I'm, find a way, I'm, J.K. They'll, they'll find, find a way. way. Exactly. They'll find a way. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. I mean, we've been, uh, you know, just singing Chelsea's praises for most of this season, and certainly most of this evening, and and absolutely rightly so. And J.K. and I pondered this on Friday about, you know, does this team actually have any weaknesses? And it's interesting to see opposition managers turn up every week and uh, try and exploit what they think is a weakness. And thus far, they, they've, they've drawn a blank. They've failed to do so. Um, one area where we are a bit concerned, and Tony and JK both uh, mentioned this in part one, and um, I'm going to allude to it now, um, is really that idea of, I think, really... The thing that, the thing that does concern me is exactly the same as, as concerns JK and, and, and Tony, which is a lack of creativity up front in other words we know Lukaku can score goals but you know he does need service and I said on Friday Tony that I think the one thing that we are missing is is a num a proper number 10 a real kind of an Eden Hazard you know creative flair player who can create something out of nothing but also provide those great balls to 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 Lukaku now at the moment we've got uh you know I think and I think most of us basically are agreed on this or have been up till now that the two people that should go behind Lukaku if he's going to play this system are Havertz and Mount. And yet both Havertz and Mount, I think, were quite disappointing yesterday. I think Mount... I'm not sure that he that he's a fantastic player. I'm not sure that that, that is his best role. I, I, I have the answer. I have an answer to who should be there with Lukaku. And JK is not going to like it, but it's Timo Werner. Right. Who? Sorry. Sorry. Who? Yes, I do. I absolutely believe it because not only has he got blistering pace, he's very, very good with the ball. Now, Eden Hazard was never an out-and-out striker. In fact, the number of times he played as a false nine and was actually bloody rubbish at it because we wanted him creating and making the chances. Now I know he could pull the the odd, you know, the good goals out, and you know who forgets, you know, the Arsenal and West Ham goals, but. Um, what I see in Werner is the sort of player like a Nelka could be with Drogba, who could sit behind him, who knew exactly what that striker wanted, needed, and knew what ball needed to be played in there. And and, and I think Werner, with his pace, he is tricky. I think if he concentrated on being a little bit more in the Hazard uh, kind of role, if you like, um, I think you would then have a pretty formidable um, force behind it. Now, that doesn't necessarily leave Mount or Havertz out. Um, I, I like Havertz, but I, I do see something of the, the, like I said, the Berbatov about him, if you like, a little bit, you know, like Torres when he came to us. He's, he's kind of sort of sauntering and ambling around. He's a bit queenie, is what you're saying, isn't it? He's a bit queenie. He's a bit queenie. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't strike me as, you know, as he's, he's, he's not, there's, there's not much in the way of aggression in there. Now, I'm not saying aggression. In a in a kind of uh, a Graham Souness or Roy Keane way, I'm talking about in a kind of Michael Ballack, uh, you know, in your face, um, forceful kind it's of action. Michael I don't Craw- see that with him. Michael Maybe Craw- it, it may not be what his strength is, but um, you know, I'm deadly serious about Werner. I think he would be a fantastic foil with the pace. You know, he came on yesterday. And Spurs were shitting themselves again. They must have been thinking, oh, for fuck's sake. As if we ain't got enough to deal with. We've now got this tricky little bastard coming on, running between the lines with Alonso and, 
and, and Lukaku bullying us. They must have been thinking, you know, you know, that, like Sandros used to go to bed wearing a bloody straitjacket after his adventures with Drogba. They must have been. <laughs> I can't imagine them Spurs players were just in the dress. They were probably looking for a packet of fags themselves just to calm their nerves down at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that would be an answer to our our woes. However, however, I still have this big question mark as what happens when inevitably Lukaku gets injured or suspended or whatever, we have, from what I can see in our squad, nothing. Perhaps nothing. He, plays like, he plays Werner as the, as the central striker. Possibly. And maybe the fact that he's playing as a foil to Lukaku in the meantime would, would, would get him back into that temporary striker role if, if we needed to be. You, look, any, any top team, Man United, City... Uh, and us in the past have got goals from across the pitch. Last season, the fact that was shameful. The fact that our top scorer was a bloody midfielder, and it was all penalties. Seven goals. That's an appalling, mm. appalling stat. Return, it is. Don't ever talk to me in a pub. Don't ever. Sit there. Who was your top scorer last season? Because I should be going. Um, what? Let's. Oh, what about that Boris Johnson? I should be saying. What? Let's talk about something that really matters because that's embarrassing that that it was Georgina. But that's that's. And I'll be honest with you both. That's my only real concern. Is, well, I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's it's warranted. I mean, I, I you know, I, I would, I would. Do you want, can I have a go on this first, J.K.? And you can sum up on this one. Is that all right? Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's complex, and I mean, it picks up on what I was saying again on on Friday, J.K. That I think that we've got all of these players, you know, like Pulisic, Ziyech. Uh, Hudson Odoi, Werner, and they're all wingers in my book, and yet Tuchel plays a system. That, that has no room for wingers. So, that you know, we've got these two players that play behind the striker and they're supposed to be playing like either nine and a halves or tens. But, I mean, I think it depends on what system he's going to play. And if he, if he wants to play three in midfield, which I don't think is necessarily a bad idea because the conundrum, of course, has been, well, how do we get three in midfield and not screw up the three at the back, which has actually really, really worked? Well, you can do that if you play three five two or three five one one. But I, I don't think Mount is a number 10. I still think that Mount is a number eight. I still think that's his best position. He's got the energy to get up and down. Mm. He can score goals. He can bloody create. He can pass the ball well when he's on his game. Mm. And he can get back and tackle. I mean, ultimately, for me, Mason Mount is, is, it should play the Frank Lampard role and get in on the end of things coming in late. That's, for me, his role. But he is not a number 10. I'm damned convinced of that. Havertz, Havertz... I don't know what he is, but he is a special player. There's no doubt about that. And I, I think maybe he could play one, you know, in a 3-5-1-1 one, one with Lukaku slightly behind him in the hole because I think he's that kind of player. So I think he and Lukaku could play well, but I don't think he necessarily plays well when it's two behind Lukaku. Uh, I agree with Tony. I think Werner can play off Lukaku and we saw how it worked really, really well yesterday. He's got pace yeah. to burn, but I'm afraid he still can't hit a fucking cow's ass with a banjo. So that's an issue. Um, I think Pulisic is perhaps another one that could play in the hole as more of a 10, but I do think he is really a winger. But I'd like to see Pulisic given a go. So I don't think it's all beyond hope here. I think there are solutions, but I'm not convinced right now that the solution is to have you know, two behind Lukaku. I think it worked last year when we didn't have a definitive striker and they could all move around and be very fluid and that confused the fuck out of most teams, even though they couldn't put the ball in the net. But, you know, that was I didn't have a problem with that. I think when you've got Lukaku, you've got a different situation here and I don't think playing two behind him works, JK. Well, I just think 
that was my point before was that we've we've changed the system by having Lukaku up front um whereas in actual fact um uh, this is why I don't think he'll have a problem if Lukaku is injured because he'll just start playing the way that we played last year um whether Havertz then becomes the false nine or Werner then becomes more of the central player so um and I, I think then you can play with the wingers uh, I just think he is so malleable and capable of changing the team around and getting them all to to um uh, to, mm. to to be machine like to actually play it they're so drilled he talks about drills all the time and it's it, it, and that's clearly the the essence of how he gets them to play a certain way so he's drilling up at the moment to play to play uh, uh, play along with Lukaku but i agree completely i don't think Havertz quite knows what his role is i think that because we're not having wingers um, you, it, it means that Zayek is out of place. Pulisic, I don't know where he comes in and plays. And I think Mount is having a bit of an identity crisis at the moment, purely I, because of of Lukaku. I, I'm, I'm, possibly, possibly. I, I, I think there's other stuff going on with Mount and actually Havertz as well. Yeah, but well, I, both of them, I think, there's a kind of uh, um, um, residue of both playing in the. Yeah. In the and uh, in, in the in the Europe re- yeah, European um, Championship. But I mean, I, I, after the but, Lord Mayor's show, as it were. Yeah, there's a touch of that, but he's not he's not playing very sharply, Mason. He is. Well, I think that's fatigue, played, mate. He, he got into a into a, a decent position. I was watching the um first. I think he did a lovely run through, didn't he? And he got and the ball he gave to Lukaku was behind him. Yeah. You just thought, oh, come on, that you know you're better than that. Yeah. You know this this kind of sloppy pass, which meant that Lukaku couldn't run onto it. Couldn't, didn't know what to do, and had to play it sideways. I think. Well, but uh, but uh, um, by the way, there was a lovely once again quote Barney Rone all the time in the Guardian was saying that he felt that the problem he had was he, he similarly didn't mind um, Werner coming on and uh, uh, you know providing crosses and 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 looking good. But unfortunately, the one moment he had when Lukaku um, gave him the ball to score when Lukaku should just have blasted, he said he reacted to the ball uh, like a cat that has reacted to somebody sneezing. He said, which uh, I thought was a lovely idea. I like that a lot. Look, I think that uh, there is a bit of that uh, uh, about him still. I mean, you know, there was a, a, a golden opportunity for Kovacic to stuck one in, and he waited and waited and waited to try and play Lukaku in. Yeah. I still think they're finding out yeah. that it hasn't, Lukaku, it hasn't clicked, has it? Yeah, exactly. And he looked a bit frustrated that, that Kovacic hadn't reached him. In actual fact, I'd like to have seen Kovacic have been a bit more greedy and just smash the ball in the back yeah. of it and go up yours, you know. But when, it, when, and, and then hell will freeze over the day that happens, Tony, I think. But Yes. I mean, look, just going back to Mount and, and Havertz for a second, I mean, I, 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 I think JK makes a really valid point there. But I would also add that because it's after the Lord Mayor's show, and I think in, in Mason's case, it's the European Championships getting to the final and in Havertz's case it's the Champions League I think I think that they are mentally and physically fatigued I don't think they've had enough rest Mason's been you know we all we all used to go on every week saying bloody hell Mason's playing again bloody hell Mason's playing again yeah. oh it's all right he's young he'll be fine well maybe he's hit that point where he's not fine and he's actually yeah. pretty knackered mentally and mental fatigue at elite sport is as important as physical fatigue yeah. and I think there's an issue there however to be devil's advocate I wonder if there's also um, I mean, and this can happen with youngsters, and they are both very young. They've just reached the pinnacle of the game at an age where they would never have expected to do that. You know, Havertz has just scored the winner in the Champions League final and won us the European Cup. Drogba waited an entire career to do that. Um, and I just wonder if there's a little bit of trying to be too clever and, and liking the smell of their own farts, believing their own hype at the moment, 
But I, I, if that is, if, if that has crept in, Thomas Tuchel will nip that in the bud quicker than I can say wanker. I mean, I can absolutely assure you of that, Tony. <laughs> yes, I agree. Uh, and I think that there's a little bit of, like you said, after the Lord Mayor's show, Mount had a, a long, long season, a very well, long two seasons, doesn't he? Let's be fair. Um, uh, he played in every one of England's games, didn't he? I think at some point or other as well during the Euros. So I th- I, I, I'm not worried about that I do think you're right I think absolutely the the welfare of a younger player like that needs to be taken into consideration and and and, and I think again you know it may be Tuchel is the one who can say to Werner look you don't 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 worry yourself about scoring it'll, it you know it'll come eventually but your job now is to think where Lukaku where the striker wants the ball and to be that feed to be that hazard kind of player because I do think he has got the technical ability. He's certainly got the pace to do it. Um, and, and and with Havertz, I, I don't know. I, I, he's a special player. But it's Tuchel's problem. That's what he gets paid the big yeah. bucks for. So I'm going to leave that one with him. We get to sit here and moan for free. And he gets yeah. to figure it out. That's exactly, exactly. How, that's exactly how it should be. Um, what was I going to... I had a point I was going to say to you, J.K. I completely... Uh, oh, I know what it, what it was. It was... You know, the, these are very good players. I mean, don't don't get us wrong. I, I mean, as Tony was saying, I have faith that it will come good. And I do think there is an element of Tony was saying that it, you know, it does take time for this to show. I mean, I always remember Kerry telling me this whenever I, I speak to him about this kind of thing. He says that him, Speedy and Pat and all that never clicked immediately. It took, no. in fact, it took a fight in yeah. the dressing room between him and Speedy to iron it all out, where he said, look, you run there, I'll run here, Pat puts it there, all right? You know, <laughs> so it does take time to, to figure this stuff out. So, I mean, I'm I'm not worried. I think it'll click. I really do. Yes, yes. And, and I, I just think it'll be jo- joyous when it does, because mm. um, even, the, even the non-clicking Lukaku yesterday still had some fantastic moments, um, which, and, and you've got to, Give give kudos to the uh, the brilliance of of defences nowadays. Some of the blocks that Spurs put on him put in on him were superb, despite them still being under us yeah. being under the caution. The with them being under the caution as well. They're yeah. you know they're, the 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 brilliance of of, of Premier League centre halves or even the athleticism is just superb. Yeah. The number of times that people get in the way, of, you think it's a certain goal and somebody slides in. So yeah. he had some very good moments, Lukaku. Where, and I think as a consequence, that's probably why he tried to lay the ball off on occasions because he was the focus. Everybody was rushing towards him, thinking he was going to shoot, and he, he laid a pass, but somebody wasn't there, or it just didn't quite work, or they weren't up to it. They didn't appreciate what he was going to do. And I think once again, this back, this is back to uh, um, working with him much more, just working out what he can do. Uh, he's, he's he's a class act, Lukaku, without any shadow of a doubt. You know what? I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, you know, it just it just shows you the importance. I mean, this is why they. I think people have often said, you know, it's def- You know, strikers win you games, but it's defenses that win you titles. Because yes, uh, yeah, yesterday was was proof if ever it was needed that if you've got a great defense that isn't going to score, you know, isn't going to leak a goal, then you're always in the game. You know, I think if Spurs had scored first and that onslaught in the first 15, 20 minutes, it would have been an entirely different game because they would have just sat back, played 10 men behind the ball, I think, and it would have been hard for it, even harder for us. That's what he used to do at Wolves, yeah, isn't it? exactly that. Isn't, I, I was going to say it, but uh, that seems to me typically Portuguese. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. You know, they seem to be 
you know, um, I think we've had this discussion on here before about the fact that they all seem to be fairly surly. Anyway, the, the, all, you know, the, 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 the Portuguese chaps and Portuguese are only Portuguese that are in Mixola, but you do seem that way. Um, and and they do seem no, to no have national that, stereotyping uh, on this show ever. No, obviously. no, but they they do seem to have a a, a very you know part of the bus outlook on, on on football. You know, I mean, Nuno was a goalkeeper, wasn't he? So he's done well in the sense of you know because not many goalkeepers get to that elevated position of of managing top teams, let alone in, in, into sort of the Premiership or whatever. But um, you know, you you imagine that that would have been the case. You know, they go goal up. Uh, and then it's just us trying to break down, you know, ten men behind the ball or whatever. Um, but they didn't, and I think it was they. I think they, like you said, they ran out of steam. And I think the first goal was the first. That was the first pinprick in the in the ball for them. And then the second goal, well, that was just the air seeping Game out over, over, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think, and and you know, you you would only then say that um, there was a certain waste wastage about our chances, really, when. You know, when you really want to bury someone, look, let's be honest, I want another 6 nil. Yeah, fun. well, don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> I mean, you know, as I said, I think I think that for me, the, the, the real positive is that we don't really concede many. And, you know, if we don't concede goals, we're always in the game. And, and that is very encouraging. JK, um, just to kind of wrap this part up, you know, like I said, you know, uh, three managers in, in three games have tried three different ways to either expose our weaknesses or come up with a game plan that will will make us lose and none have succeeded um you know number one what else do you think an opposition manager can come up with and throw at us and you know do we have any weaknesses other than the fact that i still worry about our ability to put the ball back in the net and i i hear my my inner dialogue saying chidge you're completely nuts we just scored three goals mate what you're talking about but i think you know what i mean um, I'm trying to think what other patterns of play could be. Uh, play with 15 men, dredged up. Um, yeah, just have Anthony a, a... Taylor. That's the hidden, the missing weapon, isn't it? That's the weapon <laughs> yeah. of choice for most opposition yeah. sides, I think. Yeah. Um, perhaps they could play the the Christmas tree tactical formation from the 50s, which involves an enormous amount of the fullback booting the ball up the pitch and everybody running after it. Now, I think that was. Um, that was employed slightly by Zenit. Um, I thought Zenit were the were the nearest yes. we've had of somebody, um, a team actually managing to yeah. uh, confound us. Um, well, they didn't by... confound us; they just absolutely stifled us because they were well, clever. Yeah, 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 they stifled because they they, 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 they closed they, the wing backs down. Absolutely right. Which is absolutely. one way to get around a team that plays with ten men behind the ball, and they had right. two or three on, on Lukaku all the time. They they weren't um, talented enough up front no. to, to then to to use the. The opportunity when the ball was booted down the pitch to them, because I think uh, that's a genuine threat. Actually, that's may- maybe one way to do us is to basically have ten yeah. men behind the ball and have a couple of very quick strikers and hit us on the break. Because you see Chelsea in those situations get really <laughs> fucked off with it, and they get higher and higher and higher. They have a higher and higher and higher line. Suddenly, dro- uh, Rudiger's doing his you know sixty yard dribbles. Yeah, Silvers. They all get bored. It's like, no, I'm not having this. That idiot up front can't score. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, to score now. I'm and that's when you yeah. can get caught. Yeah. On on the break, I think that's the, probably the way to to do us. But I also think the uh, the way that Spurs attempted to do do us, which was the the non-stop pressing, I think there are fitter sides that could yeah, actually. Well, Villa did well. Yeah, maintain it for longer. Mm. Um, but the the thing to remember is that Tuchel will come up with something else. Yeah, exactly. He, he'll do that every time because he has that ability. Yeah. 
He's a magician. Within, and, and, and actually, um, mid-game tactical changes is is what will do for oppositions who won't be able to deal with it because he's got a player to come off the bench who he will say, this is what you need to do for yeah. me. And they will have drilled it. They will have yeah. practised this. Well, I think it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's all very well, like Mourinho in his first stay with us, having that ability to you know get players and to motivate players. It, it's, it's translating that to the players and saying to them, I don't want you to play in your normal position. I want you to play here because I think you can do this job for me. Yeah, and that surprises the opposition. And I think we've seen that with... Yeah, it, it's always been first or second years with, with with managers, isn't it? You know, if you look at the successful managers, if you look at Mourinho, if you look at Carlo, uh, if you look at Conte, the first season with him, I mean, he 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 definitely had that that kind of rapport with the players or whatever. And then again, you look again uh, at, at Tommy Tuchel, and it, and and it seems to be happening again. It's whether you can maintain that. That, yeah. that that's that that is obviously you know something I touched on earlier. You know that that how long does he stay and all this sort of stuff but right at the moment you've got to say he's coming across rather splendidly and other teams look you know I will go back to the fact that City have started the season like they started last season and then they go on a what is it 21 game 22 game winning streak last season and were unstoppable for those 20 odd games and you know Liverpool the season before now if Liverpool are back to where they were because they've got Virgil van Dijk. That should be worrying them, by the way, because that makes them a little bit reliant on a player. Um, but, you know, at the moment, I, I see the top four as the top four, which is us, United, City and Liverpool. I can't see anybody else getting close to it at, at this moment. And, and that's a good thing. It's something we've been sort of missing because we've been... Can I use the word arsenalification? You know, I think for a period, before Tony. So why not use it again? Yes, this 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 kind of satisfaction with being in the top four, which I'm not happy with, but which we, I, which I think we have now, we've got over. Yes, this isn't going to happen. Yes, you know. yeah, indeed. Very interesting stuff, boys. Well done. Enjoyed that. Uh, right in uh, part three. In a minute, uh, we've got fanny time. We got the fannies. The results are in. It's uh, I'm I'm pleased with them. Well, kind of. I'm never yeah. completely pleased, but I'm reasonably pleased. Uh, we have the uh, winners and losers from week five of the Prem Predictions League, and I can guarantee you that I am absolutely not happy about that. Uh, and then we have uh, we have some some wonderful emails to to read out. By the way, Jake, I've got a couple of new ones in. I might have to screen share that with you. Okay, so I'll figure out how to do that in the break. Yeah. Right. It's, a drink. it's time for a drink yes we are all yeah. going for a quick drink we're all going down the pub in a, in a virtual kind of way <laughs> we'll, we'll be back in a minute real fans real opinions i'm jason cundy and you're listening to the chelsea football fancast proper chelsea football fancast Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. And of course, I am Stanford Chidge. Uh, and uh, we are now in part three, where there will be fannies and there will be prem predictions and there will be emails. But before all of that, it's a very uh, warm welcome to Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Happy to be on the show. 
as usual. As usual. And, of course, the lovely Tony Glover, who we've not seen for far too long. Bonsoir. Bonsoir, indeed. Right. Uh, now, uh, hot off the press, uh, the voting shut at about half an hour ago. We've got this week's fannies. Love love the fact that you all vote for this. It's brilliant. I do do enjoy it. And, I, I, you know, because you used to moan in my ear saying, why are you bringing them back? And I said, because we don't have time. And anyway, we do have time. But actually, one of the fundamental... Uh, re- uh, uh, any, anyway, I got distracted by a very funny Mixler message then, which has just made me laugh. Sorry, I got distracted. One of the things I should really say about the fannies is that they wouldn't be back at all if it wasn't for the wonderful people who belong to our Discord group, who actually do most of the hard work these days. Because And they're brilliant. Immediately after the match, they swarm in there like a plague of locusts and uh, deposit the nominations that they would like for the Guinness moment, celery moment and man of the match and they therefore make my life a little bit easier, and uh, and therefore you've got your fannies back. So anyway, enough prattling on from me. Um, the first, of course, is man of the match. The uh, nominees were uh, N'Golo Conte, Marcus Alonso, and uh, the wonderful uh, Thiago Silva. And uh, no surprises, really. Conte uh, and Alonso both got 8%, and a whopping 84% for Silva. I think that's the biggest gap we've had. Brilliant, quite brilliant. Yeah, he deserves yeah. it, doesn't he? Deserve it, absolutely deserved. Yeah, absolutely right. Now, uh, the next one, of course, is the celery moment, uh, and I'm not going to tell you what a celery moment is because you all took the piss out of me on Discord saying I always mention it, and you always try and make me do it. So I'm not going to do it. If you don't know what it is by now, then you're clearly not a fucking proper listener. That's all I'm saying. Uh, anyway, um, the nominees were. This was interesting, actually, because this came from the Discord group. Uh, Kepper time-wasting when he went down and uh, pretended he had cramp, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, Rudiger's general shithousery is just always a sight to be... I just love it. I just It makes me laugh. It's proper chels. I love it. Rudiger shithousery is his middle name. Antonio shithousery Rudiger. Absolutely. Yeah, so there you go. And the last one was a bit of a... This was a bit of a late run, really, from me. And, uh, you you know, you wouldn't have known this unless you knew. But our lovely dear friend from Chelsea in Chicago, uh, Brian Wolf, who's been on this show, of course. He came and guested on the show when we were on Love Sport. Well, he... And, of course, he's the one that's responsible for getting... Uh, the Kerry Dixon banner designed and made, so we always thank Brian for that. But he's and over the Dave at, banner, the Dave banner, and the Dave banner. That's right. He's uh, he's over here at the moment, and he was at the Spurs match. He's going to be at the City match and the Villa match as well. So I shall be getting very pissed with Brian on Saturday afternoon. That's for sure. But uh, Brian was at the Spurs match, and he he let me know, and I think people on Twitter know generally that in celebrating, uh, I'm not sure which goal it was actually, but let, let's say it's the first goal, shall we? Uh, it could have been the third, I don't know. But anyway, in celebrating a goal, Brian managed to uh, fall over the rail seating barriers. Now, of course, you'll know that, like us, most clubs have now put in these rail seats with these barriers in front, which are designed specifically to stop you from falling over like you would in the old days when you'd just go arse over tit down a few rows and a few and a few seats. Brian, being the legend that he is, managed to fall over the very safety barriers that are supposed to prohibit you from doing so. So Brian's end well and truly fell. Well done, my friend. So I stuck Brian in there as my own kind of personal nomination. Um, anyway, I'm very disappointed to reveal that Brian only got 8%. I think it was one of the, a case of you had to be there, really, I suppose. Are you surprised, Chidge? No, not really. But I, I'm a disappointed nevertheless because I think that deserved more votes. 
I voted for it, obviously. Uh, Kepa's time wasting got 24%, uh, and I think that was largely due to the fact that everybody like me just loves a good dollop of Rudiger shithousery. Yes. And uh, he won with 68%. Indeed. Now, the last one, of course, is the Guinness moment. And again, I'm not going to tell you what it is, because if you don't know by now, you're clearly not a proper Chelsea fancast listener. Um, Grant me old bugger, isn't he? I know. Well, I mean, they shouldn't have taken the piss out of me on Discord the other week. This is what happens, you know. If you if you if you cut me, do I not bleed? If you poke me, do I not come back and bite your head off? Exactly. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we had some interesting nominations here. Um, we had Kovacic's flick. He kind of flicked the ball over a Spurs player, which people quite enjoyed. Uh, Silver did an overhead kick on the end of the final whistle, which people also kind of enjoyed. Um, but as Jonathan alluded to earlier on, in fact, there was there was more than one of these, but uh, one of them was particularly sumptuous and certainly aroused me in a rather sexual way. Uh, and that was Alonso's volley. So the results are Kovacic's flick got 15%, Silva's overhead kick got 22%, and Alonso's volley wins it with 63%. So there Absolutely you go. Absolutely deserved. Absolutely. Yep. There you Fantastic go. Fantastic skill. Stretching. He gets a volley in on goal, stretching. What skill. Brilliant. I've been saying it for years since he arrived. I said technically he's one of the best players at the club. Technically, I mean his, you know, his ability on the ball is like you would expect from a from a player like you know I don't know a creative player like a Hazard or something. His touch is fantastic, fantastic touch, yeah. isn't it? It's almost as good as his hair, but not quite. Um, but why does he not take the knee? Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe we should ask him. Maybe it's a Spanish thing. I don't know, but you know that's up to him, really, isn't it? Yeah, I just intrigued though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, maybe he. I don't know. I don't know why, but you know, unless we, unless he comes out and says, we're never going to know. But I mean, maybe it is up to him. Maybe it's a personal choice. Maybe it's not up to us to to know. Who can say? Anyway, uh, I'm I'm trying to put this off, as you can tell, J.K. I, I am I am. What what do they call that? The filibustering if it's in Parliament. Yes. What, yes. Is, what, what when you're on TV or radio, when you just keep talking nonsense because you don't want to talk about what you don't want to talk about? What is it called? Filling air, isn't it? Yes, yes. Filling I'm, air. I was about to use another word. Um, it'll come to me. Okay, well, what, you, you let me know when it does, yeah. uh, because I'm, I'm stuffed, basically. I have to carry on now. So pre, it's Prem Predictions League time. You're, you're, you're doing this now, talking about the word, to, to do that. Yeah. You're, you're actually double I, doing it, I aren't am, you? I am double doing but, it. In order to avoid talking about it. I don't want to talk about it. You, you would like to prefer to find out what the word is that's yes, stopping you That's talking. exactly right. You've got it in one. Well, yeah. I'm afraid time has beaten us. I'm going to have to. Yes, they're in. Uh, the results for week five. And we'll start with the good news. The good news is that the uh, wonderful Luke Withers is still top of the tree. Okay. Um, he is. I think he's extended his lead. Uh, on our, I mean, our very own Mark Worrell is now in second place, which is just brilliant. I don't know how Marco does it. He's good at this stuff. But, I mean, Luke's had 11 spot-ons. Marco's had 10. Very, very good. I've had one. Right? I haven't had any. No. Well, there you go. Anyway, Luke's got 815 points. Um, and uh, Mark's got 701. Um, for us lot, uh, Martin Wickham is not far behind. He's in fifth with 663. He's had eight spot-ons. Again, Martin is very, 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 very clever and good at this. Uh, and then it's a long way down to 41st where you find Mark Meehan. Uh, and then 45th, Dean Mears of this parish. And then Dane Whittle uh, in 55th. And then a long, long, long... Well, not that much longer down, because there's only 74 in the league. But uh, in 63rd position, 
Mr. Tony Glover on 306 points. He's had two spot-ons. In 65th place, Chidge, that would be me, uh, with 303 points. Uh, I've had one spot-on. Utter, utter beyond shit. And uh, But I can always rely... Beyond shit, what does that make me? Well, beyond, beyond shit. Okay. I mean, It makes you an actor. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I can always rely. I can rely on one thing. I mean, actually, I should have said this at the beginning, should I? You know, there are there are very few certainties in life other than death, taxes, Chelsea beating Spurs at three point lane, and Jonathan Kidd being bottom of the Prem predictions list. Yeah, but can I say that I I got the the result completely right on Friday night, but didn't do it in my Prem prediction. Well, then you're a buffoon. Yeah, I'm happy to admit that. Because you should have stuck stick with it. You described yourself earlier when that chat... You're just a posh actor who knows nothing about football. (laughs) Yeah, but Abdul thinks he's a genius. He is the man. He is the man. (laughs) Anyway, JK, you're lagging behind, mate. 160 points. And in fact, actually, I did promise Gabriel. Now, Gab uh, only joined... Uh, Prem Predictions League about a couple of weeks ago, so he's he, he kind of started three weeks behind, and he's he he, he said on Discord, I just I, you have to shout out that I've already t- overtaken Jonathan, you know, <laughs> on the show, and actually the cheeky bastards said, yeah, J- yeah, Chidge, give him another couple of weeks, he'll have overtaken you and Tony as well. Ooh, Ooh fighting talk, yeah, fighting, fighting talk. Um, we've got some ex-pros in this league, as you know, we've got Canners, Kerry Dixon, and uh, We Pat. Uh, and at the moment, they've had a well. Pat's had a great week because Pat was lower than me last week. But he got 159 points. He's now 56th with 371. Canners has had a shocker. He actually got 14 points this week. That's terrible, Paul. He's now 57th uh, on 3465 points. And Kerry had a shocker too. He only had 17 points, and uh, he's gone down to 50th. Uh, and he's uh, got 410 points. I did say to him when I spoke to him yesterday. I said, mate. You're still on the first page. You should be grateful for that. I said, my sole ambition this season is to get on page one rather than being stuck on page two. But there you go. So Luke Top, as I said, he got one, two spot-ons this week. He did pretty well. The performance of the week, though, is a lovely is the lovely Craig Bland. You got 239 points, including 44 for getting Leeds uh, scoring the quickest goal. But he had one, two, two spot-ons. Yeah, two spot-ons. He only had two spot-ons in that, but he got 239 points. Well done, Craig. And he's gone up to 16th as a result. So it is brilliant. I do love it. It's hugely addictive, and it is great fun, even though I'm doing utterly shit. But there you go. Um, We can move off that painful subject now, JK, and we can move to emails. I don't think I can, actually. Are you feeling too depressed? Yeah. What did I score this week? You got 20 this week. Oh, I got 72 last week. So yeah. it's, a, it's a spiral of... Uh... Of ineptitude. We could look at it differently, right? The, the the fact is, we are in the majority of people who got bad scores this week, which leads me to the logical conclusion: that those people who got good scores fucking fluked it. There you go. A bit of reverse. I kind of like that. I kind of like that logic. Now, um, <laughs> we, it's not a, it's not an email, J.K. Actually, I lied to you. The email's coming in a minute. We've got a Discord question from Kenroy, uh, which is a follow up to his email last week. He's not mm. having it. He wouldn't have what I said to him last week. So he's having another go, which is his right. Uh, he says, we play five defenders and two number sixes. How is it possible that this is not a defensive formation? I think the proof is in the pudding. Both Conte and Tuchel came in with that system and it completely closed shop. I get the three the wingbacks contribute a lot in attack, but they basically have to since there are only three attacking players. 
I agree there is no reason to change it yet as it is working, but I'm thinking mid to long term when we play lesser opposition that bring the bus, we need to change it. Uh, I mean, I think I think uh, Tony, he's got a valid point, but I I kind of made the point that you know things are very fluid these days. Yes, and I mean, it's like like I was saying with with Dixon, Speedy, Nevin, and Canaville. Is the modern equivalent is Lukaku, a and other, um, you know, and our wing backs. And I also would say that I think we're the, the trouble that we have is that our midfielders um, are are all predominantly holding or defensive mid players. I mean, I think Kante is genuinely box to box. But none of them can hit a cow's ass with a banjo, and I think that does impede our attacking abilities that we got in the midfielders that just basically can't score. Because mm. I think normally you'd have at least one or two that might. Well, yeah, it, it belies their talent as well, doesn't it? Really? I mean, Kovacic has been revelationary, hasn't he? Um, in in you know, came in as a well as as a straightforward someone to swap for Sparkly with uh, every now and then. Um, and uh, and he's you had a fantastic game yesterday, but this this inability to score and it, it can only be up here. It can only be you know the you know I'm not expected to score, therefore I won't score. Kind of mentality or whatever. Um, and I you know I I think the, the, there's a very grey area between defensive teams and offensive teams these days in in football in general. I don't think it's as, as black and white as it, as it kind of possibly used to be. Um, and when you see players like, you know, Silver going up to get goals and you look at some of the players from other teams as well from scoring across the park. And I think this has been a modern coach's influence on the game is that it's important to get a spread of goals um, a, across the team. Um, you know, I think in the current environment, maybe even, you know, John Mo- Mikel Obi would have got a goal or two under Tommy Tuchel. So um, I, I do think that I, I would expect to see improvement. But, you know, I don't think you can sit there saying, well, we've got five, we play five at the back, therefore we're a defensive team. Uh, I, I I did go a little bit with that yesterday when I said, you know, taking Mount off for County didn't seem particularly offensive, but it it was a change in the way the system and, and where Kante and Kovacic and the way they played together that was the result of that. Um, but yeah, I I think it's I think it's too difficult. You know, I go back I go back to the nostalgia days of the Christmas tree that J.K. mentioned earlier, when you had a right back and a left back, and then in front of them you had a centre half, a wing and, half, uh, yes, and a right half, and then you had five across the bloody centre line from outside left to outside right going across. You know, and I loved it then. But you know, these days you'd get absolutely mullered um, from for, for for that. So I do think. Um, you know, it's a far more fluid game, and and m- much more in in the same way that uh, RAF aircraft are now multi-role. I think so are footballers. Mm. How about that? In the go. I like that. JK, want to add anything? Well, just that um, you know, he, Kemroy talks about uh, the wing backs contribute a lot in attack. I think um, they contribute more than a lot. I think they're 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 the wingers. And that's the problem we've got is that where does he put the wingers we've got when we've got two wing backs who, who are up there providing the centers and providing the shots so uh um I, I think it's 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 solved by having a midfielder who can shoot and uh and it may be saul um because he's done that before for atletico but he won't get into the side until he gets used to the pace of the of the premier league 
So I think he'll get a game on um, Wednesday. We'll just see what happens in the Carabao Cup, whether he's learning his lesson uh, not to dwell on the ball at all. Because he may be the man who gets shots in. But um, alternatively, how would we play with a, an immensely creative midfielder? It would completely change the pattern, wouldn't it? At the moment, he's, um, he, he's the drills that he sets up are... Uh, are for invading space and preventing and pushing oppositions towards the touchline. Perhaps he doesn't need any of these players, Tuchel. Well, who knows? I mean, I would I would agree with that point entirely. And I think, you know, if 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 uh, Kovacic could actually shoot and score, then yeah. he would possibly be that midfielder. But he just patently can't. But he, I mean, the annoying thing is, you know, along the way that I was talking earlier on, he and this is this is what infuriates me. He is often the spare man in attack coming in late. You, the number of times you see an attack breakdown in the penalty area or the ball come yes. out, he True. is the spare man in space, but he cannot hit a cow's ass with a banjo. No. And, and in fact, if it's not him, it's Jorginho. He cannot hit a cow's ass with a banjo. You know, when are the day? Remember, see, when we were kids, mate, you know, we had a midfield. I mean, I know things have changed in terms of systems and stuff, but. You had the numbers four, six, and eight. Actually, six used to be a centre half, to be fair. But you know, four, a four, four is a like you know that's a proper midfielder in mind. But Alan right Mullery half. was the right half, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and a six, you know, that was Duncan Edwards's number, wasn't it? He was a a wing half or something, you know. And a number eight is a Frank Lampard box to box player. So I don't get this double six stuff and. You know, I don't get midfielders. You can't come in on the late and absolutely... I mean, you know, your number four was the kind of player who'd absolutely leather a ball in from 30 yards. You know, John Hollins, another one. You know, so I don't know. Anyway, we're just old and we don't understand football. Um, JK, on that happy, positive point, um, Lee Pemberton sent us an absolutely lovely email. Dear Chidgen JK, after two years of listening to the Chelsea Fancast, I wanted to write a quick appreciation email to you both to say how wonderfully entertaining the show is. Thank you, Lee. Mondays and Fridays can't come quick enough as I look forward to my drive home listening to the heartfelt passion about the club I've loved for 40 years. I live in Minnesota now, married a Yank emoji, which looks as if it's looking to the... <laughs> Looking to the heavens, looking, looking to the heavens emoji, which, or is it? Um, You've got any trouble, but, mate. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I was raised in Kennington and spent my life at the bridge. In the 80s, my dad would take me and my brother to most home games. We stood at the tea bar, getting there, at, I know it well, getting there at one thirty, just so we could see properly. We grew up in a special era, watching the likes of Kerry Dixon, Pat Nevin, David Speedy and King Canners, and singing songs, songs that our mum would never allow in the house made Stamford Bridge a very special place. Getting older and getting my first job enabling me to buy my own ticket was everything. There really is nothing like the smells and sounds of match day, something I miss more than ever living in the USA. The sport is growing here. I get down to Brit's pub in Minneapolis occasionally to watch with some hardcore Chelsea fans and their passion reminds me of good times at the bridge. Reminds of good times at the bridge. I've been lucky enough to make a career out of the game, coaching youth football for just over 25 years back home and now here in Minnesota. One of my current players is a massive Chelsea fan and I love how he follows so passionately like I did when I was his age. Two Champions League, multiple Premier Leagues and a load more domestic cups. I could never imagine all those years ago standing in the pissing rain as a kid 
would be ever have won what we have. 1997 <laughs> FA Cup was the turn of fortune and we've never looked back. I really do wonder now if we found a manager in TT that can give us a stability that we've not seen in the Roman era. Hmm. He's intelligent, incredibly knowledgeable, and a tactical genius, in my opinion. We all agree with that, absolutely. We agree. Not convinced that means he's going to hang around. Let's hope he's still, you're saying it, let's hope he sticks around because there's none better. Yeah. If you're ever in Minnesota, look me up. I'll buy you both a Guinness mm. or two. But avoid the winter as you'll freeze your tits yeah. off. Keep up the great work. I'll be listening. Keep the blue flag flying high. I've heard, excuse me. I've heard that about Minnesota. My missus went there, and she said it was so cold that you just can't go outside. They've got like corridors everywhere. And she she said, "Oh, shut up! I'm British. Don't be so don't give me that nonsense." She walked outside and he froze her tits off and kind of ran back in. So it gets bloody cold there, mate. Isn't that kind of very near where they did Fargo, that wonderful Coen Brothers film? masses of snow in that yeah because it's very near canadia isn't it yeah in the middle anyway lee lovely to hear from you mate what a lovely email terrific as they would say over here now we've got a repeater i like this i like this people kind of continue the conversation over over a week jk yeah i great. love this like simon maloney remember the one we got from simon last week yeah he says dear cheers jk and all he says, thanks for reading out my email about inviting listeners to submit their best CFC 11. Having been going to the bridge since the mid-70s, I chose the 1990 date because only Ray Wilkins would have got anywhere near the top uh, players to wear the colours up to 1990. Well, I think, you know, a lot of us might say, well, what about Eddie McCready? What about Charlie Cook? What about Peter Osgood? For starters, Simon. But there you go. This is the whole point, I suppose, isn't it? It's a game of opinions. It's such a difficult task that I've added seven substitutes to my best 11. <laughs> Mate, I think that's cheating somewhat. Anyway, rather than players having to qualify by playing for two years, I've gone for a minimum of 50 first-team appearances, as it's an easier stat to reference. I like that. The most notable victim, I put a, I put a however in there for you, JK, is Rude Hullet, who played 49 times. JK is... I can see he's going redder and redder and redder by the second, and I think steam is about to come out of his ears any second. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, now, uh, as a starter, also as a as a, sta- a starter for ten in this exercise, I submit the following team playing either four three three or four two three wall formation. Interesting, but not surprising to note that half a dozen of them were teammates. That is interesting. Goalkeeper check. Fullbacks Aspilicueta and Ashley Cole. Centre backs Terry and Carvalho. Midfield wise Lampard and Kante. Oh, midfield, sorry, midfield wise Lampard and Kante. Wide attackers Zola and Hazard. Striker Drogba. Subs Courtois. Courtois. Seriously, Petrescu. Pet, sorry, Petrescu. Decide to Matteo. William. Interesting choice. Viali and Costa. Come on, you Blues. Simon Maloney. I mean, this is. Do you know we should do it? I tell you what. Just for you, Simon. Next week. Me and JK, I can't, I don't know who's on next week because I, I, so I can't vouch for them. But me and JK will do our, what is it, our best eleven from nineteen ninety, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, just for you, Simon. Nobody else listening, obviously, it'll just be for you. <laughs> but uh, why not? He's put the work in. I think we should do. All right. I don't. Yes, it's a shame that Hullet doesn't. Well, he could in yours. Qualify. Oh, well, if, yeah, if he limited to fifty, but yeah, he couldn't. Yeah. That's a good point. So we'll stick. We'll stick to Simon's rules. So no Hullet, all right? Uh, one of the best, possibly the best player ever to play for Chelsea. I know, never, but we'll we'll never we'll mind. never mind. We'll do it next week, all right? Uh, so you got another email. This is another lovely email, even better because it's got a beautiful picture with it. 
had Lee Keenan. Just listening to the 1996-97 podcast, enjoyed hearing about the Exeter pre-season friendly, especially so the flag. I was a mascot for that game, thought I'd send over this picture. I grew up in Exeter and the local fans, mainly also Man U armchairs, were insufferable. They celebrated like they won the league and still occasionally talked about it until I moved in 2006. All the best, Hadley. And it's uh, it's got Viali and Hullet. And uh, the flag. Hulling. And, the, and, the, flag. and yeah. the great flag behind yeah, Mark's flag. Mark's flag. I wonder which one did, did uh, Hadley say which one he was. He doesn't, does he? He doesn't. Because there are three doesn't. kids there. Hadley, let us know which one you were, mate. All in the great kit. In that the, great. Uh, wonderful. Kit. Cup. The uh, is that that's the cup-winning kit, isn't it? Yeah, with yeah. the Y-shaped. Um, that's right. Uh, yoke in the front and the cores. Uh, um, advertising it's a thing of the, beauty. Um, the, the badge in the in the framed in that kind of schoolboy like badge around it. The, that I always loved about the because it weirdly enough the the lion with CFC doesn't look look that bad in the uh, with a with a kind of outline around it that looks like a shield. It looks uh, looks interesting. Right, lovely, got, lovely got a very right. short email, but a rather controversial one uh, from Bob. That's all he is, Bob. I don't I don't know another name for Bob, but he is Bob. Dear Uncle Chidge and the gang. Uh, Dave, just an idea for a discussion on the fancast. Is Pulisic the rightful inheritor of the nickname Sick Note? Bob. <sighs> Tony. I would have to say right now, yes. He is very reminiscent of... Do you remember a guy... Was it Stuart Pearson? Was he... Um... He's a United player, Darren Anderton. Yeah, and, that was the original uh, sick note. Yeah, they've, there's been a few over time, haven't there? And um, I, I do have to say that right now it would be very hard to argue with that mm. because it seems to me that um, he's the sort of bloke that um, would break a toenail and claim a broken ankle. And uh, there's there's something that often you can be deadly unlucky, I suppose, with injuries. Um, and some players are, but this day and age with the medical facilities and all this, you do wonder whether or not there's a little bit of a uh, a bolt loose somewhere, you know, up here. Um, in his you think it's out. mental? You think it's mental? I do, I do, yeah. I think... I, I, wasn't he... Um, uh, didn't he... He stopped playing for Dortmund, didn't he, because of Haaland? I think Haaland became the, the first choice and Pulisic was sort of sidelined and then came to us and then suddenly, guess who's coming into, you know, up to top pops Tommy Tuchel, guess who's coming to dinner? Um, and I wonder if there's a, uh, a little bit of history there as well. So I would say... Um, it was Sancho, right now, not Haaland. Was it Sancho, was it? But I, right now, I would say yes. I think Sick Note would be a good moniker for... Okay. And I'll, I'll go even further. I'll be staggered if he's still at Chelsea next season. Well, okay, there you go. Very harsh, forthright from Mr. G, uh, who will be no friend of Mr. Stick in Discord as a result. It's, I didn't say it, Mr. Stick. If for once it wasn't me, all right, it was somebody else. Blame Tony. Uh, J.K., what do you think? Um, it's not looking good for him, is it? No. Uh, no. See, this is diplomacy. This is what I miss. This is what I, been, he's been my armory. He's been rather under the weather. Yes, yes. He's yes. suffering from a slight cold. Yes. And the problem is, is that any momentum that he may have had, I have to say, he didn't have any. So it doesn't really matter. 
but uh, any momentum he, he would have had um, disappears when he's out for a string of games. Absolutely. So um, uh, we unfortunately have the yardstick, as the same with Morata. Morata played very well when he first played for Chelsea. We have the yardstick of his being completely brilliant against Liverpool, brilliant in the cup final before he was injured, and um, uh, and being the player that we thought would take Europe and the whole of the Premier League by storm. So when he does play and he's he's wanting, I mean, as in the um, the the Super Cup final when he just appeared to be, you know, going down so many non-existent avenues. I mean, it, to be fair to me, he does take players on, unlike a doy. But um, uh, he, he goes into cul-de-sacs and and dead ends uh, mm-hmm. in a way that the the earlier player, the player we had when he was even just you know um, year and a half younger, was was taking people on and beating them. And, but to, he had a wonderful game in in one of the um, European ties, didn't he? Which one was it? Was it Atletico, when he was completely fabulous away, mm-hmm. and um, and I thought that was him coming back to to, to fitness. But then of course he got injured again, yeah. uh, um, uh, and he played in the in the Champions League final and Mister Sitter. Um, so um, uh, it's it's a tricky one, isn't it? He just seems to get he's he's a um, he's fragile. There's isn't a long, he? long-time he, friend of this parish, Paul Crowder, on Mixer, has actually just said, "Captain Cul-de-sac." Uh, yeah. Yes, mm, and yeah, well, uh, yeah. he says you keep him to sell shirts. Mm. But uh, but at the same time, you know, if he can make it up, I don't quite know where he plays though in this setup. Once again, I think he can. Well, I said it earlier. I I think he can play. You know, he could play behind the two. I do think he's basically a winger. But I think in the way that Hazard would pick the ball up mm. in those kind of middle areas and run That's at true. defences, and Hazard would also pass to a striker, let's say, for example, I don't know, Diego Costa. You well, know, I think Pulisic can do that when he's on form, or like Hazard, he can score a really good goal himself. Perhaps he, therefore, is the creative... He mid- could. Well, I did... I did been, yeah. We've been looking for. Yeah, but I did I did mention that earlier on. I, I, know, I, I, I ignored you completely. Well, I know. It's OK. I'm used to it. I've only... I've, I've been ignored for, what, seven years now? I can cope. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> your face. <laughs> if only people can see this show sometimes, honestly. Anyway, I think the real issue with him is, is injuries. And I, I don't know whether he's sick, no, Bob. Um... But I, I, I'm erring on the on the on the side that he's just unlucky at the moment. But it is it is it is definitely a concern. I mean, number one, I want to see Pulisic get back to the player we had when we when we when he was he went on that really good run and was and looked a hell of a player and then got injured in the cup final and that basically put him back. I want to see that player again. But the question, of course, is with these injuries that he keeps getting, is he is he going to be that player again? And of course, things have changed a lot. We've got a lot of new players, different players now. Will he get? I mean, you know, there's a lot of imponderables here, and sometimes this happens with players. You know, they just they just you know get unlucky, they fall a bit short, they get out of form. Other players come in, and that's what happens. And it would be very sad because I do think that there's a superb player in there somewhere, and I I. I I I I don't know about the mental thing, Tony. I I think I think he's you know I think it's his body that lets him down, not his head. I think he's he he wants to play and he and he and he gives it everything he's got when he's playing. But I I, I think the body's against him, not the mind. I wouldn't be surprised if he plays in the uh, in the it comes on in if the village. If he's fit, if he's fit, yeah. I, I think I believe he, he was fit in the presser. Did he? He said he said he was training, but he wasn't training with the team. Yeah. In so, a, in a 
a moment of karma. I believe that the mind and the body are intrinsically linked. Oh, well, as a therapist, Tony, I am bound to agree, but I think you get my point. No, it's a good point. It's a good I just point. thought I'd wind you in on that one. There, no, but but you're, I, you're, I, no, Tony, you make a superb point because you could say exactly the same about Hudson Odoi. Yes. You know, and I and I mentioned this at the time when he got his Achilles injury. Is that the problem with an Achilles injury? Is it will have a very big impact on him mentally because it's not like some hairy ass centre back came in and two footed him and broke his leg into two pieces. Because you can go well if the hairy ass centre back hadn't come in at me and broken my leg in two pieces, I would have been fine. Yeah. Instead, he got injured with nobody within ten yards of him. So his mm. his issue in his head is that will it happen again? Even though it's highly unlikely because actually his Achilles technically is now probably stronger. But in his head, he's worried. He, he can't trust his body. And that's a massive issue for an elite sportsman. It plays on their mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, we've said it before. When players pick up a bad injury in the old days, the old cruciate ligament, they'd be back six months later, but they were never the same. Never the same. Because every little twinge, every little slight ache in that particular area would always it, and I honestly I don't think it's an elite sports person issue I think that's a human issue oh, yeah, yeah, totally. a natural uh, a natural reaction to somewhere where you've had a, a you know a, a severe trauma so um, from Pulisic's point of view I, I I when I said a bolt loose I meant it in that particular way in that uh, you know I'll, I'm back I'll, I'm injured I, I, you know, unlucky Alf from the Far Show. Knowing my look, I'll get bloody injured. I yeah, thought. it is. He's, he's, unluck, he's unlucky Alf, isn't he? I like yeah, that. I that's like it. that. Yeah, yeah All right. Alf. Okay, we've got two more emails to go. And the next one is from our old friend Alan Gavarin, JK. And I've put it on the screen. Can you see it? No. Well, I've just put it up there. I've shared my screen. You are screen sharing, it says. David it does say we are sharing your screen. But I started also no, blank screen sharing, but it's blank. That. Well, I don't see why, because it should be there. I don't know why that's not... Don't all I can do is just... Don't shout at us, it's not helpful. <laughs> what? Don't shout at us, we can't help. No, 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 I think maybe you can see yeah, it. There it is. There you go. Oh, there here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Is, is that me now? Yeah. Oh, dear Chidge Kiddo <laughs> and the gang, what an absolutely joyous game today at Three Point Lane. I'm not clever enough to know the precise contents of Chidge's script, but I will put a sizable wager <laughs> that it includes huge praise for Tiago Silva. What makes you think that, Alan? And for the whole of our six-man defence, I say six because Kepa, even Kepa was brilliant today. Believe me, I'm not his greatest fan. But the guy did nothing wrong and showed skill and bravery when it was called for, and he didn't put a foot wrong. I was delighted for him. Alan Alonso was outstanding. On another day, could have had two spectacular goals to go with his assist. He's reading my script, surely. Rudy and Christensen were both in total control, as be put in his normal fantastic shift. Silver was clearly man of the match for his towering display and his great goal was surely witnessing one of the great defensive players in Chelsea history. <laughs> you can already stand alongside JT, Carfalio, Desai and Aspie as one of our best ever defenders. But today, I want to write about Jorginho, who once again showed why he is one of the best players in the world and absolutely deserves to be included in the Ballon d'Or uh, reckoning. Jorginho has the most incredible gift of taking control of the game when it looks like it may be slipping out of control. During those first 20 minutes, Spurs actually played quite well. No, they played very well, putting pressure on our back three, working hard to disrupt our normal rhythm and system. Yet Jorginho never became flustered or ruffled, calmly went about his business 
of breaking up Spurs' attacks, connecting the defence to the midfield and onwards, and regaining control of the game by simply making small, safe passes and retaining possession. I don't think he misplaced a pass until the 88th minute. The funny thing is not only have Chelsea fans seen it all before, but Harry Kane, Spurs and the whole nation also got a perfect example of what Jorginho does when he won the Euro 2020 tournament for Italy by doing exactly the same thing against England in the final. On that occasion, Italy were 1-0 down after two minutes and were struggling to hold back England, who were dominant. Yet Jorginho kept his wits about him, did not lose his cool and slowly regain control of the game for Italy by one tackle or simple pass. It's bounced. Where are we? Um, uh, uh, after another, Italy gained confidence and England became demoralised when they realised they could not make any further confident, uh, further progress. <laughs> Lukaku scores the big goals. Silver and Rudiger make game-saving tackles and interceptions. And Mandi makes world-class saves. But Jorginho changes the whole tone and rhythm of the game and gives Chelsea the confidence, security and momentum to go on and win games. I know we constantly discuss the use of the term, but I'm putting it out there. Jorginho is fast becoming a Chelsea legend. Alan Gaveron, at Rootless Cosmo, Aussie signed my broken leg. Oh, he's Rootless Cosmo. He is. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I like some of those points. I think time will tell, but uh, I, I've certainly changed my mind on him a lot. But I, I, I will add the caveat that we were really talking about earlier, weren't we, JK, when we said, you know, Tuchel is smart enough to understand what his strengths are and to mitigate his weaknesses by building a structure around him that that, 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 that mitigates that. And that he, that is sensible in my book because he has got weaknesses. But then again, haven't we all? Well, he reminds me of, um, uh, in some ways, of Didier Deschamps, who was known as the water carrier. Mm. This completely unglamorous... And you know, just basically almost, uh, I'd say journeyman, that's not the right phrase, a, a kind of midfield general, but a quiet one, just gets on with the job, just does the job, doesn't make a fuss about it. Um, and Deschamps was very similar. And I think we've had similar players in, in the past, those who don't take much credit for it. And, and therefore, because they are not seen to be uh, swan diving around the place or nutmegging or whatever they, they become an easy target for the boo boys now I, I remember Jorginho's first game because I think I was in the fan cast after it actually and, and virtually every one of us described him as metronomic in the passing it was just do, 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 do under you know and it fitted perfectly with that Sarri system now good players develop over time they, they learn what the new coaches that they're playing for Wanted now. I'm sure Georgina probably had the chance to bugger off and follow Sari when when Sari went off to Juve or whatever. But he didn't. He chose to stay with us. Um, he's been um, supported by you know both Frank Lampard and now Thomas Tuchel. So it, there must be something that they know that we don't. And let's be fair, they all know a damn sight more about football than we do. So I think it, it, it's that. It's just I think I think the Boo Boys are they just don't like. It's easy to attack players who have no verve or or, or anything like that. Who just get who, on. Who you don't but, understand what they do. Yes, because you because you don't want to. Well, because you don't make no effort to try and understand it. Because you've got other players around there. You go, oh, I know what he's trying to do. I can see what he's trying to do. Mm. What's he doing? That's like Mikel, I think as well. Yeah, I think uh, absolutely. Mikel was another one of those boo boys, and I think 
um, had the uh, the fanfare surrounding our, um, our acquisition of Claude McAnally not been what it was, if he'd have just come from a club where we didn't really know who or what he was, he'd have got the same thing. Mm, yeah. All, yeah, it was break the game up, really, wasn't it? He was. He was right. That's right. That's right. Anyway, and I just think it's. Well, I don't know whether it's a peculiarly Chelsea thing to, no. to pick out those players or whether all, no. I, I guess all clubs have probably got those players that they just... Oh, I, th- I think supporters are always gravitate towards yes. homegrown players and flair players and yes. players who score goals. Yes. Because that's what gives us the horn. Yes. Um, well, it gives me the horn anyway. Um, right. Uh, this is a, uh, an email that similarly gives me the horn, actually. It's brilliant. It's from Theo Stanculescu. Okay. And he says, uh, well, he says, hello, boys. I can't remember what he says at the beginning of it. But he says, first of all, I want to say a huge thank you for everything that you do with your podcast and more. You probably don't realise how much you mean to the thousands of people that listen to your show. Hopefully this email shows you that at the very least. I'm a Romanian born in Australia. Uh, I came to Australia when I was three. So I consider myself a true blue Aussie. But my or a fair dinkum Aussie, I would have thought, Theo. But uh, my <laughs> Romanian side is possibly why I started following Chelsea since about 1999, in the days of Zola, Wise, Desai, and of course Petrescu. Then, when they bought Adrian Mutu, my dad and I thought that was brilliant. Even though he shamed Chelsea and Romanians everywhere with his drug antics, but let's not go into that. I mean, I have to say, Theo. I mean, he also begat us a fantastic song as a consequence of that. But uh, let's not go into that. Uh, my dad got me into football at a very early age. He used to love watching the Romanian national team in the days of Georgi Hadji. And watching Petrescu play at Chelsea really lit a fire for me. And I've been a loyal fan and followed the team closely ever since. I say closely loosely because back in the late 90s and 2000s, all we could really watch were a game here and there and highlights on TV. These days, it's much better, even though a lot of games I have to watch on a replay because of the time difference. I've been listening to you guys for a bit over a year, I would say, and absolutely love the show. I think your show means a lot more to us internationals because while we are still diehard supporters, we can't go to the matches every other week. So your podcast, for me at least, really helps me feel like I'm just as much a fan as any Stamford Bridge regular. When the pandemic hit and the planet went into lockdown, I found myself watching the EPL mainly on my own. And I can't tell you how joyous I was when I found your podcast after filtering through a bunch of other junky ones. Uh, JK and Chidge, and the lads of course, your wit, sense of humour and banter is just so on point. Even my wife listens into the show sometimes when I have it on, and she has a chuckle. To JK and Chidge specifically, your chemistry is not unlike Clarkson, May and Hammond. Ooh. Ooh. Should we start driving cars? Maybe. And uh, are, you, are you Captain Slow then? <laughs> and, uh, I'm the bloke who, what was it, the one who wore the uh, the crash helmet? That's Maybe Stig. That's the stick. stick. Yeah. No, just... you're you're Captain Slow, mate. Am I okay? You're... Which one was that one? I think I'm Clarkson. <laughs> I mean, annoyingly, I'd have to be Clarkson because he's a gobshite, and annoyingly, of course, he's a season ticket holder, as we all know. Anyway, I'd sorry. Hammonding because he's a short and also very funny and cute, <laughs> which is kind of you, really, Tony. Anyway, uh, right, and that's quite the compliment. <laughs> Maybe I'm giving you too much of a big head at this point. Yeah, I think judging by the last conversation, Theo, I think you certainly are. Uh, when Frank was let go, I felt like I had to go into mourning to get over that and was glad to hear you all felt similarly. Like many, I was happy to sacrifice a little success to give our legend Lampard a chance to develop a soul for Chelsea, as you put it, Chidge. Uh, but as, alas, as they always do, the Chelsea hierarchy struck again and again, much like you reacted, Chidge, with Tommy Two Shits. 
I can't even remember the context upon which I said Tommy T-shirts now, but anyway, I promised myself I wouldn't get attached to this manager as I have done to previous managers like Mourinho. Despite his critics, I like him. But again, that's gone out of the window. What a class act against Spurs on the weekend and a masterclass from Tuchel. And he's such a likeable guy. No doubt our hearts will get crushed when Chelsea part ways with him in about 12 months' time, as tends to be the average stay. But speaking of Sunday, we weathered their storm brilliantly in the first half. Yes, they had a couple of decent chances, but nothing really good. Uh, I really like the 5-3-2 or more like 3-5-2 formation. And I really think Havertz or Werner can play alongside Lukaku up front. I actually think that's where Havertz is at his strongest. Even Mount can work in a three-man midfield quite well, especially when our brilliant little magician Kante is in there. What a breath of fresh air he was against Spurs. I loved that when Rudiger's goal went in, there was a mass exit in the stadium by Spurs fans. I couldn't help but laugh. I imagine the Chelsea fans were singing at them to leave quicker. If not, they should have been. Were you, JK? Uh, we can see you sneaking out was obviously sung. Yeah. As was, um, You've had your day out, fuck off home. It- Yes, is there a fire drill? Is there a fire drill? And uh, your fo- your support is fucking yes, shit. Yes, lovely. That's what we and, want. And in fact, the the one very quickly slight problem with the safe standing bars is that, as I remember from from experiencing this at Bayern Munich when they were in the uh, Olympic Stadium, is you can stand on the bars. <laughs> no. Yes, and there were very many people standing on the bars. Um, giving it large to the uh, Spurs fans. Well, I kind of approve of that. Yes, but yes. it was... Um, and some of them were giving it large in an anti-Semitic way. Oh, that's not so fucking clever. Let's not go down there. But no. to be fair, to be fair, um, I'm not being, being fair to the ridiculousness of the almost Nuremberg-like quality of them singing um, by the Y word, which is done... Uh, enormously I would say 30,000 people singing it Spurs fans indeed indeed singing that because and so therefore they, it, it, we're in a we're still in a we still have problems there yeah of course we do problems. well until they stop singing it nobody else will that's what the no. point that we've been making forever and ever and ever amen anyway let's not go down there's another thing in Tio's email let's not go down there um, no. Anyway, anyway, Theo, you've now had it from the horse's mouth, as it were, that in fact we were telling them to hurry up and get a move on, or words to that effect. Um, anyway, it did help us that Spurs didn't bother turning up in the second half, but I think that's more praise for Tuchel's brilliant tactics again more than anything. I'd say we probably have the best manager in the world as things currently stand. At the start of the season, if you told me we'd take seven points from Arsenal, Liverpool and Spurs away games, I know the name Arsenal doesn't mean much these days, but hey, I would have thought that to be a long shot here... Uh, I would have thought that to be a long shot but here we are equal top of the league and flying and we're only going to get better I know this year is ultra competitive with Man United City Liverpool and us fighting for number one I honestly think it will be between us and City I don't think Liverpool or Man United have the squad depth to weather any injury or busy periods and we have a manager who always has a plan B that seems to work I feel it's only a matter of time until the Premier League trophy is back in Chelsea hands if not this year then definitely next year, as long as we keep hold of our good mate Tommy. I think I've definitely overstayed my welcome, but I will finish with letting you fellas all know that you are the shit. That's a compliment we use regularly here in Aussie land. Keep up the amazing work and up the chels. Kind regards, Theo Stankulescu. So, how do you feel about that, boys? You boys are the shit, man. Is that the kind of shit you could spread over your garden? It's the good it, shit. It would make yes, ah, it's not the bad shit. It's the good shit. Roses grow. Yes, the good shit. 
Yes, yeah. good shit. You're good shit, not bad shit. All right. Is that also the kind of shit that you would smoke? Mm. Well, I've always thought good shit would refer to usually hash, actually. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I could be wrong. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. there, thus uh, endeth the email lessons of this week. But Theo, I have to uh, Theo, I have to say that was an absolutely rip snorting yeah. email. Really. It was a corker, wasn't it? Wasn't it? A corker. Right. Um, very quick break. We come back. We talk about the Villa Caribou Cup game. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast. The final part, you'll be glad to say, considering we've been rabbiting on for far too long tonight. What did I say at the beginning? Oh, there's only, yeah. th- there's only three <laughs> of us tonight. Yeah. It'll be much quicker tonight, I said. It was right, Huh? I did say it was packed. It's been packed. It's been packed. It has been packed. It's been packed. I know. Yeah. What can I say? Anyway, uh, right, we've got the Villa game coming up. Let's start, as we always do, with the team selection. My bash at it, JK, my stab at it, is as follows. Bearing in mind that um, it's a Caribou Cup match. Now, the, the, my caveat on this is that actually last season, Tommy T, obviously he, he, he wasn't in the Caribou Cup, so we don't know how this works. So he, we don't... Re- I mean, he did it in the Cup, but he didn't play really weakened sides. He played a mix and match. I so we don't we're in uncharted territory here. I think so, but this is what I think might happen: Kepper in goal, a back three of this would be a bit radical. So I, I I'm you know I'm assuming he's going to rest Silva and Rudiger and Aspilicueta. So if he does that, I I can't see any other formation than Chaloba as the left centre back, Christensen in the middle, and James as the right centre back. Uh, Chilwell needs a game. Uh, Kovacic, well, I mean, it could be either Jorginho or Kovacic. It won't be Kante. I think he'll pick Kovacic. And Saul next to Kovacic, like we did against Villa. Oh, mm-hmm. funny enough, against Villa again. Uh, and Hudson-Odoi as the right wing back. And then up front, I think he might well go Havertz, Ziyech with Werner down the middle. Or yes. Havertz down the middle, Werner on the side, doesn't matter. But it'd be those three. That's my That's my guess. Discuss. I agree. I think he will have learned enough to know that in the list of priorities, although you want to win every trophy that you're going for, the Caribou Cup is probably the most dispensable one. Yeah, the one that you can afford to, uh, you know, okay, shame you're not going to get a trip to Wembley out of it or whatever, but go there on a Sunday, there's a good market anyway. So, um, well, it used to be. I don't know. Does Wembley Market still exist? It used to be a fantastic place to go. That did, but um, I think he will play a team exactly like you just said. I don't think Lukaku will feature. I don't think Silva will feature. I don't think Mendy will feature, even if he's fit. Um, and, that, and I think that's a good thing. It will really, really be a very good test of what others might call our second string, but what we would call the depth of our squad. And I think it would be great for them to get out there, certainly for Chilwell, who I think is probably justifiably a bit aggrieved by the fact that he's not had too much time. I mean, he he was very, very good last season um, and can cross the ball in and can score a goal. Um, so I think, you know, it'd be good for them players to get a chance to 
to to flex their muscles and I so I would agree pretty much 100% with that choice I really would I think I think that's the best team available if he's going to rest the big players yes. of course the other the other issue JK is he might do another you know banana ball and you might see Barkley or or, or Loftus cheek get a start which would be a random Ooh, wouldn't it wow mm. yeah you never know I'm I yeah I don't think you'll play Adoy though uh, right wing back I think you'll play James I think you'll play Aspie um, I just think he'll, he'd want James to be playing in his normal position. Uh, and I think he wants him to play because he's looked a bit rough. I wouldn't be surprised if Mount plays. Uh, I think he wants Mount to get uh, get some minutes. Um, and, and I think Pulisic will come on. If, if not, he's fit. If Well, he, he said he's fit. He Is said he, well, I didn't know that. I presumed he yeah. wouldn't be, so. No, he said it in the... Um, in the presser. He just said that he hadn't been training with the first team. He's been training on his own. It might be that that's that's still one step too far, but I, I suspect he'll be on the subs bench. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think there's a distinct possibility that Werner will go down the front. I think Chilwell will play. He should play Saul, well, perhaps because it's, it's, it, I suppose the anticipation is that Villa will similarly play a, uh, a second string. Um, if, if they do, uh, we might indeed see Barkley playing, but I'm not convinced he thinks Barkley from what he stated has any chance of playing at all ever again ever again yeah, yeah. so uh yeah i think i think that's pretty pretty good chidge I, I um uh, I, I would think the same other than as i say i think as people give be given a game james will play right wing back and um uh yeah, yeah. kovacic will probably be given another game he might as you say confound us and play a much a much stronger side, but I, I, I don't think so. I think you'll be saving them for the City game. Yeah, well, indeed, that that's a consideration. The fact that we have got City on the Saturday, and that's a game we'll want to win. I mean, it's not a it's not a six pointer, as it were, but it'll want to win that. I mean, of yeah. course, I think a lot depends, as you were saying, J.K., on on what Villa will do. Whether they'll choose a second string. I, my suspicions are they probably will too, actually. So it'd be a weird match in that respect. But they can be quite fun sometimes when that happens. I mean, Tony, how how do you see it going, mate? Um, I think we'll win. <laughs> I, I, well, I, obviously, I think Villa are a good side. I don't, they're not going to put out their full strength team. I think Dean Smith knows full well that they've got a good chance of finishing in the upper echelons of the table this year. They've got some good, good players in there, and I, I really mean, you know, Ollie Watkins and uh, I think Tyrone Mings is 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 a super player. Um, I, I just think he'll, he'll he'll not want to risk him. You could say that it's a good chance for them to win a trophy, but I think that look, we might not like it. But the Premier League dwarfs everything. It's it's even you know kind of diluted the 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 the, the kind of standing of the FA Cup. So this cup um, is further diluted. So I think it will be. Uh, if, if to put it in different parlance, it will be the depth of Chelsea squad versus Aston Villa's second string. Yeah, I think that's yeah, a... and I don't want to downplay it no. for the people going, but I think that's it, that's the reality of modern football. No, I think you're right. Are you going to stick a number on it, Tone? Yeah, I think we win. Um, yeah, three nil. I think another three nil. Three nil. Wow. Jk. One uh, one, and we win on penalties. Yeah, I'm thinking either two two. And we win on penalties or three-two to us. I think it could be, it could be a, a chaotic evening. Would be my gut feel. 
right? Because it's mm. you're, you're taking out. I, 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 on based on what I think, you're taking out basically that brilliant defence. And I think you know anything can happen with Kepa in goal. I still don't trust him. I think he did very well on Sunday, but I'm still not convinced. So I think it could be chaotic. So I'm going to say three two. All right. Now, um, obviously we hope Chelsea win. We all like to get to Wembley and win a trophy. Every trophy counts in my book. Uh, so there you go. Now, um, before we finally disappear, uh, the lovely Nathan from the Chelsea Grave Society mentioned, uh, well, asked if I could mention this. He said, if you could mention on the fan cast that the Eastern Blues and a few others will be in the cock from half past five on Wednesday, and we are encouraging people to pop their heads in the door before the match so that people can put faces to the wonderfully positive side of Twitter. What a great idea, Nathan. Sadly, I will not be among them because I'm not able to go on Wednesday because I have to work, which is a rather annoying thing. But there you go. It's what pays the bills. And uh, talking of randomness, this is just beautiful. I, we got a, I got a, a tweet from the Honourable Bernard Asanyo Derawapunda. There we go. I think I got there in the end. And he says, Getting you from Kwa Ruben Nairobi about the quiz. I prefer the coach of Chelsea FC, Thomas Tuchel. He never lost since he arrived at Stamford Chidge. I think you mean the bridge, but I know what you mean. Yeah, I like that. Well, Bernard, absolutely brilliant to hear from you all the way from Nairobi. That, that's tickled me, that has. It really has. Anyway, uh, so that's what we've got time for this week. Uh, but JK and myself will be joined by Adam Newson from Football.London on Thursday at 8pm for our preview show. Yes, Thursday. Thursday at 8, not eight. Friday Sorry, at 7. Yeah, yeah um, I forgot because I, I'm going to see the specials on Friday night with my best mate Ooh. in the Randass in Camden Town. And I completely forgot, so I've had to shift it till Thursday evening. But that's not a bad thing because it's an, e- an early kickoff on the Saturday. So it'll give you lot out there a chance to actually hear the show. Uh, and of course, we will be previewing the match against City on Saturday. And of course, looking back at the uh, the Villa match on the Wednesday night. Uh, now, don't forget to check out Dean's Went to Mo Kings Meadow uh, podcast on the Chelsea FC women's team. We're, of course, the Chelsea Fancast and Went to Mo Kings Meadow. We're available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and many, many other podcast distributors. Um, you've heard me mention Discord throughout this show today. Well, um, if you become a Chelsea Fancast patron, uh, which, you know, basically bungs us a few quid every month, which is a very lovely thing. Uh, but it also means you get to join the Discord group automatically. Uh, well, you do if you let me know that you want to and all that kind of thing. But it's great fun. Uh, you also uh, will get a Kerry Dixon mini banner because I've got a whole no whole sh- uh, load of them have arrived. So I can send those out to you soon, for, particularly for those who are waiting. Uh, go to patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. Massive shout outs and thank you to all those who have done so recently love to see new people in there and you often send lovely little messages saying when they when they you know first found the show and what they like about it it's lovely it's really really sweet so it's lovely to hear from you and thank you very much for being generous and donating a few shekels every month for us it really does help uh now uh as you know we read emails out every week so if you want to get your email or patreon message or instagram post or tweet or whatever it is read out get them to me by the end of the day sunday Okay, Sunday, Sunday, not Monday, Sunday. Otherwise, you you will miss the cut. Alan and Theo, you were lucky today because I was feeling very beneficent. Anyway, uh, it's ChelseaFanCast at gmail.com is the email address. You can follow the show on Twitter at ChelseaFanCast, me at Stanford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, and Tony at GrocerJackUK. And, of course, we're at ChelseaFanCast on all of the socials. Do follow us, get involved, get engaged. We love to hear from you, as I said 
that is pretty much it apart from saying uh thank you to the fantastic uh mixler crowd tonight it's been real fun uh, engaging with you lot on here as it always is uh tony glover how lovely and delightful it has been to see you once again it's been brilliant and it's given me a little lift and i'm hoping that by by saturday i'll be uh well, uh, my ear infections will have gone, or well, they have gone. I just need to get my hearing back, um, and hopefully, I'll be fully confident to make the journey up to Stamford Bridge and um, watch the City game. I have the weekend um, home alone, actually, because Helen's off to Barcelona for the weekend with her mum and sisters, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm yeah. looking forward. Good on it's you, been mate. great being on it, and it's been just good. Such a, it's always good fun, a good laugh. Yeah, good. It's always good to see you. Lovely to see you again. And as for you, Mr. Kidd, uh, always an absolute honour and a privilege. Thank you for your uh, contribution to my my piece on Jimmy Grease for the for Football London. Really appreciate that. It was lovely, and as always, lovely to see you. It's been great fun as always, Chidge. Well done. Thank you. Good on you. All right. Well, look, both of you stay safe until next Thursday when I will see JK and Tony. Hopefully I'll see him not too uh, long. Uh, uh, but all of you lot out there listening on the podcast or Mixler, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we will see you on Thursday and then next Monday. And until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree and keep it Eine Frage. Wie schnell war der Aufschlag? 150 km/h. Wie lang war der Drive? 229 Meter. Wie lange hast du geschlafen? Oh, 7 Stunden 54 Minuten. Letzte Frage. Trainierst du deinen Körper und deinen Geist mit der Achtsamkeit? Ja, genau das mache ich. Wir alle haben Fragen und die neue Apple Watch Series 7 hat die Antworten auf dem bisher größten und fortschrittlichsten Display. Die Zukunft der Gesundheit am Handgelenk. Lieferengpässe möglich. Erfordert ein iPhone 6S oder neuer App aus dem App Store, Abo erforderlich.